When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Bill Landis, Tim Bielek, your Cleveland.com. Coverage team here with another Wednesday football, food, robot, and life <laughs> podcast. You can find us on Twitter at BillLandis25, at Tim Bielek, at Doug Maurice. Read us on Cleveland.com slash OSU. Spring football is going on right now. The spring game is right around the corner on April 14th. We have lots of questions from you guys to talk about, uh, including Urban Meyer's mood after practice the other day. He wasn't happy. What do we take from that? We'll get into some discussion. A couple of you asked about the question about the quarterback competition from 2015 that our boy Ari asked and Urban's response to that and what we should or shouldn't take away from that. Um, A lot of other good questions from you. We're going to talk a little bit about Jay Sean Tate, what if he had played football? Bill wrote a story about that that mm-hmm. kind of popped up again. We're going to figure out what restaurant Ohio State would be, which is from our podcast two weeks ago, that we compared restaurants and college football programs, but we never did one for Ohio State. And a couple of you pointed that out, so we will check back on that and uh, just kind of run the gamut of questions from you folks because you sent in 27, which is really good. But let's start... With the weekly feature, instituted by Bill Landis, stolen Stolen. from another podcast, as yet unnamed. I like Von Bell, but I tried to find Von Bell audio of him saying make plays and then isolate it to play before what we're about to do, and it didn't work. Oh, you couldn't find it or you couldn't isolate it? I found it, but I couldn't. It didn't, it didn't sound like him after I isolated it. Could we just ask our listeners to imagine Von Bell in their head saying, I just make plays? Yeah, just right now, for two seconds, think of him saying that, and then Tim will give you the Von Bell, or maybe something else, eventually, five-star review of the week. Get ready. Two-second pause. Think of it in your head right now. This one comes from Matty underscore Boggs, titled, Listen to It. He says, three very knowledgeable, funny, and entertaining Ohio State writers deliver a must-listen podcast that gives you not only the best Ohio State football and basketball talk, but also a deep dive into everything fast food. Unfortunately, one of the guys left the show, and they replaced it with some ga- some guy named Tom. He's cool, too, I guess. <laughs> some guy named Tom. Have you ever been called some guy named Tom before? I have never been called some guy named Tom. I've been called Ari on this pod, on these reviews a couple times already. 
I get it. I'm still only eight months into this podcast, so yeah. <laughs> given that you guys have a couple years of equity built into this podcast, pre- as previously set up, I understand, you know, it's still probably a little bit of an adjustment to figure out, you know, that there's, an, there's another person with a three-letter name in the podcast team. I will say, it, it might still be an adjustment, but let me say this. Adjust! Speaking of adjusting, someone recommends to listen to this podcast at one and a half, one and a half times speed. They said, this guy, Louisville Slugger, cited that you guys in particular are slow talkers, and they said, I'm not much of a slow talker. You know what? I did a podcast. <laughs> I did a Kata Bates Diop storytelling podcast today that went up Tuesday in your Buckeye Talk feed, also on cleveland.com slash OSU. And I did notice in that that I, I tried to be deliberate because I do feel like a lot of people, when they're public speaking or what, you know, your natural inclination is to talk very quickly, right? And when my kids have to give a speech at school, I'm always telling them, slow down. You never tell anyone to speed up. It's always slow down, slow down. So I try to be deliberate and to enunciate as much as I can. But I was listening to myself when I was doing the other podcast, and I was like, speed up. You are boring me. Also, I don't know if someone could pull up our podcast. Someone had mentioned the other week, if you play us at half speed, we sound like old drunk men. And I played us at half speed, and we sound like old drunk men. It is really entertaining. It's it's amazing how when you digitally slow down the track, you make anybody sound like a drunken old person. I'll pull it up in one second. But uh, L Brown four one eight zero left a five star review last Wednesday and said, "Now give me my shout out, <laughs> shout out." You Thank you, been, L Brown. You have been shouted out, L Brown. There are some other good ones. Somebody said four stars for Ari, Doug, Bill, and Tim can figure out how to split up the last one. Respect it. That's from Queen. Was it from Queen Demundo? Was it from at Ari's yeah, mom? At, yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday to Ari's mom. Her birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday. All right, I'll play us at, uh, you guys talk. I'm going to figure out how to play this. I I did think that it was possible that there was something about the way we talk naturally that made us sound drunker at half speed than maybe some other people would. I know I'm naturally just a fast talker. Like, I naturally just talk at, at like, rapid speed or whatever. It's just the natural way I've been speaking. Bill Landis. Your Ohio State coverage team for <laughs> Cleveland.com. Bill 66 for two, let's say. You talk so, so much. Yeah, I can't was there a universe out there where, like, <laughs> Taurus Gibson is just at a, at a mid-level school putting up monster numbers? <laughs> And people, I think, I think they're okay. Okay. Um, And then the other question about just the idea of the best guys. Yeah. So I don't know what Doug sounds like drunk, but that's definitely what I sound like drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, but doesn't I? It makes me think that our normal voices have an undertone of drunkenness. Yeah, I'm a little bit drunk all the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think I've said this before on this podcast. You know that I'm drunk when I say that I'm a mountain of a man. I always say, I'm, I'm not drunk. I'm a mountain of a man. So if I ever say I'm a mountain of a man on this podcast, you know that I'm... Which is odd because, frankly, you're more of a mountain than I am. 
I was called, my nickname in college was The Mountain. Oh, because Kennesaw Mountain Landis. Yeah. 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 On the school paper, that's what they called me. Really? Mm-hmm. It's very highfalutin. Yeah. I'm assuming you... But then Game of Thrones came around and it was cool again. Oh, yeah, The Mountain, yeah. So speaking of the name, have you been to Kennesaw, Georgia? No. Have you been to the Baseball Hall of Fame? I have. Yeah, me yeah. too. Have you been to the Baseball Hall of Fame, Tim? I have not. I've it's... only been to like one pro sports Hall of Fame, and that was the football one. I've been to the basketball one and the baseball one also. I've been to baseball, football, and hockey. In Montreal. Toronto. 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 Same I'm, thing. And I'm going to the Hockey Hall of Fame in about a month and a half when I go up to Toronto. Nice. Really cool. You can do a live report. Um, what I'm curious about... Get back on track in a second. I'm curious, the listeners, would you would people be interested in following me along if I documented my entire weekend or so in Niagara Falls slash Toronto if I did like a Twitter live blog thing throughout the weekend? I'm gonna guess no. <laughs> We're just not that interesting. That goes for for all three of us. Yeah, no, no. Personally, yeah, personally, not. A, no one cares about us. They care about the Ohio State fighting Buckeyes. Mm-hmm. And on that note, what restaurant would they be? <laughs> we forgot, we said, like, what Alabama was, what Clemson was, what Wisconsin was. I know someone said, suggested, I think we had said that, you said Wisconsin was Wendy's? Yes. And someone said Culver's would be a good one for Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I think Culver's might be from Wisconsin. They have cheese curds. They're, they're curd-oriented. Mm-hmm. I thought Wendy's was a, was a good example uh, for Wisconsin, but I found when it When I say the word Wendy's, I think of Paul Christ. Yeah, that Paul Christ like would, would might be the manager of your yeah, Wendy's. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So who would Ohio State be? I looked this up on Spoon. I, I actually Googled it, and uh, Spoon University had a post about it. And then I was researching SpoonUniversity.com, and now I want to have the founder of SpoonUniversity.com on the podcast. <laughs> they had a post of six, and this is a, a trick that is a good headline trick. We try not to employ it too much at Cleveland.com because we don't want to trick you into reading our stories unless we we really need to. Yeah. But the headline is, if you add the phrase, you didn't know, into any headline, you immediately increase by 50% the likelihood that someone will read your post. Hang on, I'm jotting this down in my head. So if this post was called Six Famous Restaurant Chains Founded in Ohio, you'd be like, oh, Mm -hmm. here's the headline. Six Famous Restaurant Chains You Didn't Know Were Founded in Ohio. And then you're like, oh, yeah? I was like, oh, yeah? I can name like three off the top of my head. Post I haven't clicked on yet. Let me click on this post and see how dumb you are. (laughs) You think these are six that I don't know. I bet you I know three. And I clicked on it. I think I know two. See, now, we're, now I, we've turned it into a game. If it didn't say you didn't know were, we'd just be like, oh, whatever, it's a list. Yeah. It worked! Is it sad that I'm a lifelong Ohioan and I only can guess two off the top of my head? We're now playing Name That Ohio-Founded Restaurant, thanks to Spoon University. Okay, 30 seconds on the clock. We'll go back and forth until one of you gets it wrong. This is like a game on Stump the Schwab. Okay. You go back and forth until... As long as people keep getting it right. God, that like if you play like like 20 all-time leading passers in college football, go, and you have to name someone in the top yeah. 20 until someone gets it wrong, such a fun way to do stuff. Sounds like a sparkle quiz. Yeah. You sound like a sparkle quiz. No, I have, that, if that's, we should do those quizzes. Yeah. 20 quarterbacks you didn't know were among <laughs> the, the leading passers. passers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. 
30 seconds on the clock. Tim Bielek, you begin. Go. Wendy's. Wendy's is correct. Ding. Bill Landis. Arthur Treacher's? Arthur Treacher's is not on the Spoon University okay. list. Well, then I'm out. <laughs> Doesn't mean that it's wrong. It, it just that Wasn't the, it founded in Ohio? It's the 20-year-old person who did this post. Doesn't know what Arthur Treacher's is. Too much fish. Uh, we'll keep you in the game because you might be right. Tim, do you have another one? Bob Evans. Bob Evans is correct. Two for Tim Bielek. Bill Landis. I uh, Pass. Tim Bielek. I'm going to venture guess and say Piata. Piata, not famous enough. Ah. You're both not, not famous enough. Okay, I don't think so. Skyline. Oh, yeah. Skyline Chili. I keep forgetting about Skyline because it's on the opposite side of the state from Cleveland. Max and Irma's. Not fast food, but fine. Well, Bob Evans is also not fast food. Correct. Buffalo Wild Wings, which I don't know that I knew that. Wasn't? I think the first one was the one on if campus it, on Hyde really? Lane. I believe that's It the says case. it began in Columbus. For real? To the best, I feel like I to, should know to that. To the best of my knowledge. Now I feel stupid. Arby's. Did not know that. Really? Fast food Mecca. Ohio is. And then Wendy's was number six. Arthur Treacher's founded in 1969 in Columbus, Ohio. Whoop! Columbus! Bringing it. But again, frankly, that's why I live here. Because it is a haven and a Mecca for fast food and fast casual and chain restaurants. Unbelievable. The finest place in America. Wow. Can I read something to you? Yeah. Sure. In the early 1970s, Britain and Iceland almost got into a shooting war over fishing rights after Iceland unilaterally implemented the 200-mile fishing limit. There were numerous confrontations between vessels, some armed and others armed with escort ships. These events were called the, quote, Cod Wars. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently it drove the price of cod up. Really? It was not a, it was not a good time to be Arthur Treacher. Wow. I cannot lie, that sounds really awesome. The Bay of Fish. I'd watch that movie. Um, I would watch. Can you imagine? That would be like it'd be like a good dramatic role. It would be like if it was like Will Ferrell and like Kevin Hart were like the opposing captains of like the opposing navies, yeah. and they were shooting at each other over the cod. Like there would be dramatic scenes, but yet in the end, it's over cod. Right. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like an episode of that show Drunk History on Comedy Central. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen. I don't know if that show's still going on, but I remember like first season of it is pretty good. Play what I just said back at half speed, and you just watched an episode of Drunk History. <laughs> and now we'll. St- All right, Let's what a restaurant football. is Ohio State? Well, before we go to football, what restaurant is Ohio State? I was looking that up, thinking it would be good if I could come up with something that was founded in Ohio. I mean, I think Wendy's is a good one. If we'd have to, t- we'd have to take it away from Wisconsin, but I'm fine making Wisconsin Culver's, and because I, I think Wendy's is well respected, to the top of the game, is yeah, I think because I I'm trying to think. I thought I mentioned Ohio State. I'm pretty sure I mentioned Ohio State when I was talking about Chick Fil A, and I thought that like Alabama or Ohio State could have been there. Mm. Um, but I like Wendy's local tie-in. Yeah, I I'm gonna say Five Guys. Stick with me on this one. Okay, Five Guys has obviously been good. They've been good since they've been around. But the way I think of Ohio State, it was a good program that somehow has gotten better. You know what Five Guys has done to get better? They've added milkshakes. Oh, when did that happen? Like about two years ago. I've actually had a milkshake from there. Mm. Like a couple, I haven't had a milkshake there in a while. You are a milkshake connoisseur. Yeah, they have like they have like all sorts of flavors in there. Like um, I had a cookies and cream one there one time. It was really good. They blended it really well. And like, if you want to make something better if you're a burger place, add milkshakes. I went by that. Uh, I actually think, and I've thought about this for 15 seconds, I actually think Buffalo Wild Wings 
is an interesting comparison for Ohio State because Buffalo Wild Wings launched basically a whole new type of chain restaurant. And there are many imitations now. And the idea of, of like the sports bar based around wings on a national basis, and I know it's not the, is it the Anchor Bar or something? Is that the way yeah, they, they were founded in Buffalo? Mm-hmm. It's not, because Ohio State, Ohio State didn't invent football, but like Ohio State under Urban Meyer has a lot of people copying it. Mm-hmm. So Urban Meyer started Buffalo Wild Wings and then... Like, uh, Chris Ash is like wings and rings. And Chris Ash is like, Chris Ash is like, hey, uh, come on in. We have sports on TV. We've got wings. We've got some sides. And Urban Meyer's like, yeah, like, like that's what we also have. Yeah. And Chris Ash is like, yeah, but, but your wings, um, you, you call them wings and we call them, you know, wings or whatever. And it's like, it's like, Chris, it's, it's, it's the same thing, Chris. It's the same thing, just in a different state. And he's like, yeah, but but we have TVs. It's like, Chris, just give up. So that, and then like, you know, that Urban Meyer is sort of um, exporting this brand of football, the way he recruits, mostly in recruiting. A lot of people copy what Ohio State does from a recruiting standpoint. They aren't copying their offense or anything as much now, though we've talked about Urban Meyer helped popularize the spread. Mm-hmm. So that, in the end, is why Ohio State football, in my opinion, is Buffalo Wild Wings. Now, the difference is I would not go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, that's my hang-up. Yeah. Because Ohio State's good at football, and Buffalo Wild Wings is bad at wings. Yeah. I, I would go to 50 other wings places so that, that the people who sort of followed in the footsteps of Buffalo Wild Wings are better at it. It would be like yeah. if, if Rutgers won the national championship and Ohio State was like 5-7. and seven. <laughs> And Chris Ash was like, I stole everything from you and I'm better at it. So that is a hang-up. Football talk. Hey. Um, we want to talk about why Joe Burrow is Tom Brady. And I probably should have teased that earlier you, than you 17 minutes in. You want to talk about in. why Joe Burrow is Tom Brady. <laughs> I should have teased that earlier than 17 minutes in because that is a tease, baby. But did you guys see the Joe Burrow video that Ohio State put mm-hmm. out? Oh, yeah. Pulling a tire, mm-hmm. wearing a Baker Mayfield headband. Mm-hmm. So I have now come around to the idea that Joe Burrow is the perfect combination of Tom Brady and Baker Mayfield. Hmm. And I came to, you you guys witnessed it, Bill especially, because I just he was standing near me and I wouldn't shut up <laughs> when we were at practice on Monday. And I was just watching <clears throat> Joe Burrow through my binoculars. And we split up how we watch practice. This is the second time on Monday that we got to watch practice this spring. The first we divided up quarterbacks, offense, and defense because we want to have everything covered. And so this Monday I had quarterbacks. So I had not really paid attention to the quarterbacks in practice previously. And it was just the way that Joe Burrow basically stood with his hands on his hips and had a little bit of hair sticking out the back of his helmet. And sort of like the width of his shoulder pads in relationship to like the rest of his body, he just he, he stands like Tom Brady. And if I'm now, maybe this is why I'm not a major college football coach, but if I'm picking a quarterback and I'm a major college football coach, I'm going to say to myself, I want a guy who stands like Tom Brady. And that would be on my list of attributes that I would be looking for. So I'm not saying, as I said a million times Monday, I'm not saying Joe Burrow is Tom Brady. I'm saying he looks like Tom Brady. 
and he could be Tom Brady from the standpoint that Tom Brady was never a full-time starter in college at quarterback. So even though what I just said makes no sense, I actually feel it seeping into my actual football analytic body that I for some reason now think that Joe Burrow has a better chance to be the starting quarterback than I did before I looked at him through binoculars and said to myself, that's Tom Brady. I think the look matters. And I'm going to share, I I probably shouldn't share this information. I'm not going to say who it's about and who I got it from. But I was looking at some basketball scouting reports. And within this scouting report, this scout said about a particular player, bad facial hair and his shorts are too baggy. So those kind of things matter to people who make these evaluations. Like, what does that mean? I have no idea, but the look matters. Is it? I saw the same thing. <laughs> Isn't it anything like in uh, Moneyball where they complain that they shouldn't take the player because he's got an ugly girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah, it's all BS. Yeah, it, <laughs> but it's but it's it does feel it feels like something Bill Polian would say. Yeah, yeah. about a white quarterback. <laughs> oh, I would tell you what, that boy puts his hands on his hips like Tom Brady. Yeah, he's a first rounder. Like Bill, that's not actual analysis. Um, he and here's the part that I think relates to something, and we're going to talk about this quarterback battle, and then we're going to get to your questions. But the quarterback battle is what's interesting with this team right now because, to me, and we're also going to talk talk about what Urban Meyer said about not being happy with practice the other day. I thought the most important thing, there's a lot of like little interesting threads you can pull. The most important thing to me was that Urban Meyer said he wasn't necessarily happy with how the quarterbacks have looked through six practices. And that's not nothing. That's 40% yeah. of the spring, and he doesn't really think the quarterbacks have looked very good. And certainly, they would have had the chance to look good by now. Mm-hmm. He easily could have said all three guys look great. He could have easily said, you know what, one of them has been awesome. That guy's acting like he wants to be the starting quarterback. We haven't made a decision yet, but if we had to play tomorrow, that's who our starting quarterback would be because he's done everything right, every practice so far. And he didn't say any of those things. So if we thought that Dwayne Haskins entered with a lead, and maybe we thought that, but I still think even if they don't say it in their heads, in the back of their mind, the coaches thought that, based on who the number two quarterback was last year and the way Dwayne Haskins played – if we thought that coming in, it certainly sounds like through six practices, it's even. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, that means in my mind that Joe Burrow has gained on Dwayne Haskins. Because I don't think at the start we would have thought that it was even. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I also think it's possible like it's I think it's possible that he didn't even gain, it's just that they were never truly separated. Cause he said all oh, last like when Joe Burrow broke his hand at the beginning or in August of last year, that made Dwayne Haskins the facto number two and it ended the competition to back up JT Barrett. And then we got into the season and we saw a lot more of Dwayne Haskins than we did of Joe Burrow. We hardly saw Joe Burrow at all. But part of that, I think, can just be like, you have to have the number two guy ready. So like whoever the number two guy was in September and it was Haskins by default because Burrow couldn't play, that just carried through because you can't be really messing around with that, I don't think, because it could, something could happen like what happened in the Mission game where the starter gets hurt and someone has to go in and play. So they just rolled with the guy who was healthy at the beginning, and maybe it was possible we read a little too much into that. Like, I don't know, I think if you would have asked Urban Meyer his confidence level in throwing Joe Burrow into the exact same situation that he threw Dwayne Haskins in up in Ann Arbor, I think he would be just as confident in Burrow. So maybe these guys truly are even, and 
it was just kind of easy to lose sight of that because of how good Haskins was against Michigan and like some of the how much he flashed and the little bit we got to see of him last year. I mean, I, I guess I understand what you're saying. It's like you don't want to have like a a daily backup quarterback battle, but they did. They certainly played them like there was an an absolute clear delineation. There was Joe yeah, but Burrow, Burrow was not truly healthy until like October. But he never in whatever. There were some blowouts before Michigan. Maybe we can look up the games that Joe Burrow played. I think he played in two. Yeah, he oh. never came into a game before Dwayne Haskins, right? Mm, Is that wrong? I I I don't know if that's true. I think maybe he might have one time. Okay. It certainly felt like, and maybe it was just because of what happened in Michigan. I don't know. I walked out of the end of that season thinking. Dwayne Haskins is ahead of Joe Burrow. And oh I, no! So I'm not. So did I. I'm not saying. I'm saying in, in hindsight, maybe that was the wrong read. I I thought the same thing, but now just like the like the way the vibe that I'm getting now from this spring is that maybe that was not true. Yeah. Okay. Does that? So so here's the thing. It was weird, and I wrote this, and we all did breakdowns on Monday. We did an offense breakdown, a defense breakdown, and a quarterback breakdown. And the main thing that we got to see was his red zone drill where um, Dwayne Haskins got six plays, Joe Burrow got four, and Tate Martell got two. And I think Dwayne Haskins, I think, had four touchdowns in his six plays. Joe Burrow had one in four, and Tate Martell had one in his two. But I thought generally, while they were throwing, Joe Burrow looked more accurate Mm -hmm. in general. The ball kind of pops out of uh, Dwayne Haskins' hand in a way that you notice it. But when when it was like like the closest to live that we saw, and they obviously go much more live when we're not in there, Dwayne Haskins was much better. Dwayne Haskins made a lot of throws in those six plays near the end zone, and Joe Burrow was off. Joe Burrow missed a guy in a, like an end zone lob. He missed another guy over the middle. And Dwayne Haskins was making throw in a window, throw in a window, good touch on this play. And it just felt like um, – I do you think it's possible that there's some combination of maybe there are just some guys who look better in games than they do in practice – that coupled with it that Dwayne Haskins and you wrote this bill, Dwayne Haskins sort of thinks he's ahead. Mm-hmm. So maybe Joe Burrow, even if the coaches don't think it, maybe Joe Burrow. Do you think it's possible that Joe Burrow feels some urgency on a daily play-to-play basis in practice that maybe Dwayne Haskins doesn't feel, which might lead to Joe Burrow being a little more accurate in some throwing drills compared to Dwayne Haskins? Do you think there could be some mentality part of that, Tim? I think I think certainly, yeah. I think for Burrow, there's a sense of urgency. I know when we talked, when you talked to him, Bill, on Thursday, he was talking about how he's he's not through with all the transfer talk. I think he understands the urgency that this is his best chance to play at Ohio State, and he's trying to practice like this is it for him. Um, and I think you have a point, though. Some guys are just better when the lights are on than they are in practice. I mean, that's that's just the reality of some guys in practice. Some guys are practice quarterbacks, and some guys are game situation quarterbacks. Ideally, you want a guy to be both, but if you can't get one, I think in some ways you'd I'd rather have the guy who is better in the game because ultimately games aren't necessarily won in practice. They're out, they're out there when you're playing a guy wearing a different helmet than you. I wanted to find a quote from Ryan Day that I thought of as you were saying what you were saying, Doug. And it's like, it, this is this is kind of obvious, but I just it's from the quarterback's coach, so I think it's worth hearing. And I don't think we included it in any stories. 
Um, he said, he was asked specifically about Dwayne Haskins that led him to say this. Um, maybe I'll have a better idea at the end of the spring or in preseason. It's just so early in the process. It's easy when you're the backup and you're throwing seven on seven and nobody is running around your legs and you're just throwing and catching. Everyone looks great. When you're in the fire and there's guys coming at you and you got to work through all that stuff, then it's a different story. Once we get into live drills with pads on and into the preseason, I'll have a better idea of all that. Yeah, which is like the kind of thing when they when they initially hear that, I mean, when you initially hear a coach say that, I just hear cop out, cop out, doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't want to talk about it. Sure. But they actually probably have a decent chunk of truth in that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth. Like, I think Tate Martell probably more than any of any other, other guys in the competition is much more of a lights are on, I'm better player than Haskins and Burrow. And I think the other thing about it, too, like, they're coming off a situation. Like, Kevin Wilson used to say that JT Barrett was – the best practice player he's ever been around, like, and the only one who was comparable, can't comparable, right, was Adrian Peterson. Um, which is, like, another way to say, like, you always knew what you were going to get. I'm sure, like, the, different, the difference between JT Barrett in a game and JT Barrett in practice was probably almost indiscernible. I think he was just that way all the time. And maybe that comes with experience. Maybe he wasn't that way always throughout his career, but he was probably that way last year. And these guys just aren't that. And for Martell in particular, they have no idea what Tate Martell's like when they're in a game because he's never played before. Yeah. So I think it's I think there is more truth to it with this particular group than maybe there would be. Like if Ryan Day said that last year, like I would, I would like you, I would think it was BS and he was just not answering the question. But I think there's at least a little bit of truth to it now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. And that leads to... Is it possible? <laughs> There's a part of me that thinks like they have to have this settled by the first snap against Oregon State, or mm-hmm. they are in trouble again. You yeah. cannot not mess around with this stuff. But is it possible that they're just not going to get a full read on these three guys until they're in a game? Because you're not even going to you'll get a better read in the spring game, but you're not going to get a full read. Nobody ever gets a full read on a quarterback until they're in a game. Yeah, until they can get hit. Until they can get hit, until they can make decisions on broken plays, <laughs> until you see their running ability, which is so important to Urban Meyer, um, until you see that against an actual defense when you can actually break a tackle or drop a spin move on a guy or whatever. Like, is that po- Tim, is that possible? Could we actually could we be having a quarterback battle that we reach the point because it's TCU the third game? Yeah. Yeah, it's Oregon State and then Rutgers, I believe. That Like the first two games are, are still a tryout? Is that possible, Tim? I mean, I think a lot of things are possible, but obviously, best case scenario, that you want your guys settled well before Oregon State so you can start to input some, ga- some game plans for the first couple weeks of the season. Um, but I think, again, if you're doing that situation, I think you're setting yourself up for failure because you want to have a guy who's comfortable the first two weeks, who's got his reps going, who feels good in the flow of the offense, kind of worked out some of the early mistakes that come with being the starter. And then by the time TCU rolls around, when you have your first real test, you want the experimentation to be – you don't want any experimentation. You want – player X is our guy. He's our quarterback. He's played two – he's had two starts. He's done well in two starts. He's more comfortable – Boom, we're ready to go. Because if you rotate around, that could be problematic against the TCU team that we know is good on defense. All right, here's this play in the scenario game. Okay. How The question for you two is how problematic would this scenario be? 
The scenario is, at the end of spring football, Urban Meyer, honestly, truthfully, from his heart and from his brain, tells his quarterback, we all quarterbacks, sits them down, all three in a room at the same time, and says, we don't have a starting quarterback. Nobody won this job in the spring. It's a continuation of the Monday news conference. He's not yelling at them, but he's saying nobody, nobody took control. It's not, it's not even because all three of you were great. It's even because all three of you were average. And Joe Burrow takes in that information, and Urban Meyer, in that meeting, looks at Joe Burrow and says, Joe, I'm, just, I'm telling you, if I were you, I wouldn't leave, because you very well might be our starting, starting quarterback in the fall. I respect the fact that if you want to leave, you obviously have that right, but I'm telling you, you've got a shot here. I'm not, no BS. They go through fall practice. It's more of the same. Everybody's fine. Guys have good days, guys have bad days. That's what Urban Meyer said Monday. He said, just when you think a guy takes the lead, then the other guy jumps up, and now he moves ahead of him. They do that all fall. They get to the first game against Oregon State, and Urban Meyer that week says, we don't know who our starting quarterback is. So here's what I'm going to do. Dwayne Haskins is going to play the first quarter. Joe Burrow is going to play the second quarter. I might mix in Tate, I might not. And then I'm going to evaluate things at halftime, and if I think one guy has played much better than the other, that guy might play the whole second half. If I don't think someone's played much better, we might rotate quarterbacks again in the second half. Because I think both are good enough to lead this offense to a win against Oregon State. No disrespect to Oregon State. But we think we have two quarterbacks who can win, and we don't know who the best one is. So we're trying to win this game, obviously, but we're using it as a continuation of this battle because we have to figure this out and nobody has won this job. In that scenario, how much of a disaster is that? Or is that, you know what, that might actually work. I was prepared to say worst case scenario, no matter what you said, because I had an idea of where you were going, but I think maybe it's not, uh, it's still problematic, obviously. You want Best case scenario, like Tim said, is like have an answer by the end of the spring, and that's probably somewhat unrealistic. Um, I think you have to have an answer before the Rutgers game, so whoever the starter is can play his one game against Rutgers. Like you can't go into the TCU game coming off of whatever indecision you have with the position because TCU is good enough to beat you if you don't have your quarterback figured out. Oregon State and Rutgers aren't, but I think you need to give the quarterback at least one game to have that figured out before you go down to Dallas and play TCU. So, I think that situation could work. It's obviously not ideal, and people listening and probably screaming think like at the mere suggestion that that could work. Um, but I think that particular situation where the Oregon State game is like the testing ground for this whole thing could work. I'm actually, I know the optimistic Tim moniker, but I'm going kind of against that. It's not good gigantic yes. disaster. But, but it's still sort of disastrous because in two regards, you have a coaching staff who they had been asked on Monday, you know, if they had learned anything about 2015 or Urban Meyer sidestepped that question. He didn't want to talk about 2015. He didn't want to bring it up. And then if you go into a situation like fall, like the end of August, and you still don't have a starter, then this is two quarterback situations that you haven't been able to figure out a guy well in advance of your starting game of your game one start where you need to have a guy kind of right from the jump. I Like I said earlier, you need a guy right from day one to feel comfortable with, 
as as soon as you can get him on the field to get him comfortable for two games before you really throw him in there with TCU and then two weeks after that, Penn State. Mm. And then that also looks bad on the players because part of the, the gist I got from Urban Meyer is what you want as a head coach, I think, in this situation. You want a guy to step in and be like, okay, you guys get to the back of the line. I'm the guy. I'm going to dominate practice for the next two weeks. You guys are behind me. I'm QB1. Okay, okay but what if nobody does that? I mean, Urban Meyer can't control that. What if nobody does that? What if nobody by the Oregon State game has done that? Do you anoint somebody anyway and say, this is our starting quarterback in the hopes that in the anointing, you breathe it into existence? You think it, right? People do it all the time. Think mm-hmm. it and make it real. The, the guy didn't necessarily win the job, but you're making a choice because you make $6 million a year and you make the hard calls and you say, you're our guy. We need you to be our guy. Let's do this. If the guy hasn't shown it in practice. I understand what you're saying. I, I completely agree with what you're saying. But, but like, if the guy hasn't done it in the spring and in the preseason, do you give him the job? I think if you are in a situation where nobody stands out, which, again, is problematic on the players. I agree. I agree that it is problematic. So what does Urban do? Yeah. I think in that case, you almost have to go back to where you feel like you started in day one, which is like, I have I have a quarterback who was put into a, an extremely difficult situation in Michigan where we were behind in the third quarter. This is our Meyer talking. The Buckeyes were behind in the third quarter. Dwayne Haskins led a game, go-ahead touchdown drive and helped set, up two, helped set up a field goal again late to help put the game away. He's been in the di- most... Difficult situation of the three. I will trust in him for now, but I'll ha- but I have Joe Burrow on standby if he sticks around just in case. He's like the break glass in case of our emergency guy. Okay, that we're continuing the scenario. Urban Meyer does that. We'll come back because I want to double back on this. I'm going to write start write stuff that stuff down. Urban Meyer does that. He he makes Dwayne Haskins the starter, even though everybody was just fine. He says Dwayne Haskins is our starter. For Oregon State, and Dwayne Haskins is good against Oregon State, and against Rutgers, Dwayne Haskins is iffy on the first three drives. Do you keep Dwayne Haskins in, or if he's iffy, do you put Joe Burrow in for the fourth series of the Rutgers game, which is what Urban Meyer did in 2015? When he took out Cardale Jones and put in JT Barrett. No. I, if you name a guy the starter, then he's the starter. I think you can go into the Oregon State game. You have to start somebody, right? Someone has to take the first snap. Yep. Whatever. But if it's made clear to the guys who were in the competition that, like, listen, just someone has to, like, Joe, you're making the first start, first snap because you're the oldest. But you're not the starter. We will. This game will determine who the start, who the quote-unquote starter is. Then I think you leave yourself open to pull some guys if you think it's going kind of wonky. Um, not necessarily mess with guys' heads. If you say Dwayne Haskins is our starting quarterback and then you yank him at the first sign of trouble, whether it be against Oregon State or against Rutgers, that's a problem. And that's what happened in 2015. I don't think it was ever... Cardell Jones thought the job was his. He thought the competition was over. Yep. And then it wasn't against Hawaii. It wasn't. One, a, a game and a half or a game and a quarter into the season, it was back on, and that messed everybody up. 
So, no, I think there has to be a clear cut either like this is open going into Oregon State or this guy is the starter, and no matter what happens, he's a starter because this offense has to get rolling into the TCU game because that game's too important to mess around with. Okay, so I want to build off that and get into the other part of this discussion, and we have a reader question to lead us into that, but I want to ask this first. All this stuff we're talking about, do you think it's possible? Do you think it's possible that it could play out this way in terms of through spring, through the preseason, everybody's just fine, but nobody wins the job. We don't know what Urban Meyer would decide, but is that part of it possible? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I'm, I probably wouldn't have said that three weeks ago. But but because of what Urban said Monday yeah, just after like the, practice six. We're, we're just gathering information and, and, and what we can. And from what we've gathered so far, I think that, yes, that's possible. Do you think it's possible, Tim? Yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with Bill 100%. I just wonder... And then here's the second part of it. Like the part, Dwayne Haskins behaves, and again, this is what you wrote. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins, I think, has that thing. Has that Deshaun Watson thing, has that Baker Mayfield thing. You know what it is. And I'm not saying Joe Burrow doesn't have it, but I'm just saying I think Dwayne Haskins definitely does. He yep. he like he, he knew the deal. He knew that, like, JT was the guy here. But, like, he, from the minute he got here, has believed, like, this is going to be my team someday. Mm-hmm. No doubt in his mind. Um, he called his Twitter handle Simba. Yeah. And I, like, that. all that kind of stuff is, like, if you're the guy, and I know some people don't like Baker Mayfield, and I don't know if anyone didn't like Deshaun Watson. I think everybody loved Deshaun Watson. I would hope so. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson kind of carried it off a little bit better than Baker did. Yeah. But Deshaun Watson had a, had a, clearly had a thing. When we were at the Fiesta Bowl and it was like Ohio State and Clemson and we had the day with the Clemson offense, it's like you, you hang around with Deshaun Watson for like 15 minutes in the interview session and by the end of it you're like, I whatever that – I can that guy be on this team? <laughs> like can I, can I cover that guy every day? Can I – he, you want to be around Deshaun Watson. I think Dwayne Haskins has that ability to be that guy. It's just like in, when you aren't that guy, it can kind of be like, dude, like yeah. what's your – but then when you are that guy, it's like that's our guy. So it's a very fine line for Dwayne Haskins to walk in the meantime. But part of me thinks that I will be very surprised like if this is close and back and forth. If Dwayne Haskins is what he comes off as, he's going to win it. Like in the last week, I, I think there's a scenario where it's like – we get to the Tuesday before the first game for the first the Monday for the first news conference, and and like we don't know who the starter is going to be. And Urban Meyer comes in and says, "A week ago, I didn't know who our quarterback was, and then the last week, Dwayne Haskins told me who our quarterback is, and it's Dwayne Haskins." Mm-hmm. They're like Dwayne Haskins, sort of like, eh. and then like when the chips are down, Dwayne Haskins is like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! Just remember, I'm the guy," and then plays like the guy for five practices, and that's it. Right. I think that's on the table. If it's tied. And if Urban Meyer wants to avoid what we're spelling out, wants to avoid carrying the competition over, but it's tied, who's he pick? Does he go with Dwayne Haskins, the guy who beat Michigan, who is, throws it as well as any high school quarterback Urban Meyer has ever scouted? Or does he go with Joe Burrow, who's done everything right since he got here and is the guy most similar to JT Barrett and is clearly a better runner than Dwayne Haskins? Does he go with the upside, or does he go with the familiarity of a running dual-threat quarterback because we've always compared Joe Burrow to JT Barrett? 
if it's tied and he doesn't want the competition to continue and he wants to name a quarterback and nobody grabbed it, who's he pick? God, that's tough. I'm 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 inclined to say he picks Haskins. Now this leaves a door open to the thing that I just said would be a disaster. But I think you can have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get with Joe Burrow for all the things you just said. And I think there will be a curiosity of what this thing could look like with a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins that would lead him to lean Haskins. I agree. And Nathan, our boy G Nelly ninety seven, asked a question along these lines. What do you think Urban values most? Burroughs' seniority, Haskins' performance against Michigan, or Martell's running ability? Mm. I don't think he values the seniority, per se. He values experience, and Haskins and Burroughs' experience is essentially even. Burrow played as the number two guy two years ago. Haskins played as the number two guy last year. And you could say Haskins is more substantial because he played in that Michigan game. So what was the Martell piece? Running. You watch Tate Martell for two minutes and yeah. practice run his own read, yeah. and he hits that imaginary hole and gives a little hop, skip, and a jump, and your eyes light up. Like those three things, that specific example, I think he would value Dwayne Haskins' performance against Michigan the most. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. If if you go by his his philosophy, always life in the big about how he always says life in the big city. Yeah, best players play. You would have to go with a guy that has done the best for you in the most important situation. It's funny, like, I mean, I love imaginary stuff. Yeah. I love, as someone who writes things that should be factual, <laughs> I love making stuff up. I do think it's very interesting, like, in all the scenarios that we're drawing out, the thing that you would end up going back to a lot is the Michigan game. That Dwayne, it's like that J, the cameraman, the infamous cameraman who hit JT Barrett might have been Dwayne Haskins' best friend because that is that is something in his corner that can break ties. You know what it is? Proof is in the film. Oh! Signed in Miami. <laughs> Signed in Miami. Chad M. at Sneela187, our guy. My QB vote is Dwayne Haskins, but then I saw Joe pull that tire against a linebacker and did a complete 180. Is that irrational? Again, you guys can find this. Tim will probably drop it into a breakfast sometime this week. It's it's a tweet that Ohio State football put out. Yeah, it's on Wednesday morning. Okay, it'll be in Wednesday morning in the Wednesday morning Buckeye breakfast. I don't know. Who was it against? Do we know who he was pulling the tire against? I don't. Do you know who it was? I could not tell who it was. He said a linebacker. I'm sure. I mean, they usually do offense, defense. I couldn't tell. It, I, I mean, it was another white guy, so it might. I mean, it's like it. It could have been. It wasn't tough Borland because he's hurt. It might have been. Pete well, this Warner, is old too, I think. right? Oh, it's old. Could, and that's not like from yesterday. It looks it like could, could have been from the winter. I'm looking at it. It's from winter workouts is when they do this stuff. This is like their mat drills. I would assume it's from this winter because I remember seeing those shirts in some of those videos. Uh, because who they said had it the, was a linebacker? Chad M. Sneal. It actually. It kind of looks like it's Jake Hausman. Oh, okay. And I could be wrong, but that's who it looks like. Okay. And correct me if I'm wrong, Burrow looked like he was losing a little bit at the beginning. Yeah, then he just like, dragged him across the mat with one hand. Yeah. I mean, look at that. Yeah. Did you hear that in <laughs> Landis' voice? That's that. That's yeah, like, no, that was impressive. Yeah. He's like, he, he went up Jake Houseman like, look, I was Mr. Football in Ohio. You weren't, Jake. And, and again, not that Dwayne Haskins couldn't do the same thing or that Tate Martell couldn't do the same thing, but it's like 
That was some dog in Joe Burrow doing yeah, that, right? Yeah, yeah and, that, and that's the point. It's like that's. I guess it doesn't say much about quarterback play. What would, he's pulling a tire. It doesn't say anything about quarterback play, but like the mentality matters, and. I think it was just a reminder that, like, everyone, people tweeted it, like, Joe Burrow said he's not going away, and, like, this is a reminder of that. Like, it, like as, as cliche as that sounds, like, that's what it was. And can we give people the answer? Our loyal, 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 loyal Buckeye Talk listeners, you get the good stuff because you put up with this crap. <laughs> you asked Urban on Monday the infamous quarterback question, which remains to me the defining Bill Landis story yeah. because it was your story that defined Urban Meyer's view on the most important position on the field. You asked again about arm strength and, and what he values in a quarterback. Tell the people the story. and it Because Urban Meyer said the same thing Urban Meyer always says. Yeah, so the, the impetus of the story, was, and this was like three years ago, was Joe Burrow's first spring game, I think. And he talked about how the thing he wanted to work on heading into that summer was his arm strength. And I was like, why do they keep recruiting quarterbacks who can't throw the ball? So I asked Urban Meyer, why do you keep recruiting quarterbacks who can't throw the ball? And he gave me his list of things that he values in a quarterback and arm strength. Anything to do with throwing ability, accuracy, arm strength, whatever, like wasn't on the list. Really, like anything with playing wasn't on the list. It was all, yeah. it was all mental stuff. Um, so I asked him again this week because if you look at the quarterbacks they're recruiting, and I'll write a story about this eventually, um, it seems like they are, are taking into account more a player's ability to throw the ball. And Urban Meyer said that that's not really the case. And I'm looking for the quote now. So here's what we do to give you an idea of, of how we try to ask questions sometimes. Because I knew what he would want to say to the question that I asked. So I tried to take it away from him by listing all those things in my question. <laughs> and then he just said it again anyway. Uh, so I said, I said, I, here's my question. I said, when you're evaluating guys for the position, we've heard the list of things you look for. Toughness, competitive, competitiveness, mobility, extend the play. Is arm strength, arm talent being evaluated any more differently or closely than maybe you've done in the past when you're looking at high school quarterbacks? And uh, Urban Meyer said, that's not in the top five criteria we've evaluated for quarterbacks. We've had plenty of quarterbacks around here, uh, not just around here, but in history, that didn't have the strongest arm, but they were a better player. And it says, it's competitiveness, toughness, leadership, football IQ, and extend the player, the things we look for. Arm strength is nice, but it's not in the top five. Yeah, and Landis, almost in the middle of that answer, almost yelled out, I know! <laughs> I wrote the story, Urban. So, but does that, you were asking about it in terms of recruiting, and you're going to have an interesting quarterback recruiting story coming up, talking about the guys they're looking at. Mm -hmm. And we, and we're going to write about this again. We have a lot of stuff that we think about that it's hard in the spring. We were talking about this on Monday. And we, you should, I think it's interesting. It's inside baseball stuff, but it's like we sit there and we are like, trying to we we parse like the exact wording of questions and I'm going we're going to get into this with the 2015 comparison but we we talk about exact wording how not just what the question is but how to phrase it to give yourself the best chance to get the best answer but we were saying sometimes you don't want to ask we like asking a lot of big picture strategy theory questions. And Urban can be really good on that stuff. And we think that's really interesting for you guys. It's also interesting to ask, what's the too deep at cornerback? And that's important. Yeah. But we like the other stuff. But sometimes we don't need to ask a theoretical, strategic question about Dwayne Haskins now because it's the spring. Because we're going to ask it a million times in August, in September. Um, but when Dwayne Haskins was recruited here, we noted... This is a guy with arm talent. 
this is a guy where you wonder about his running ability. And I went back and realized I asked Urban Meyer about Dwayne Haskins' running ability on signing day. When the first time he was ever allowed to ask about, ever allowed to talk about Dwayne Haskins, I wondered, is Dwayne Haskins a good enough runner to run this offense? And like all this is coming to fruition now. It's the same thing we're still wondering. Mm-hmm. But the way he answered your question, it was about recruiting, but it, it, he didn't say, you know what? In the modern, the way the game has evolved, you want a guy, you have to have a leader and a tough guy and a competitor, but you also need a guy who can sling it. You've got to make big time throws to win a national title now. Because if he would have said that, we, alarm bells would have gone off about Dwayne Haskins. Sure. Instead, he said the same thing he said three years ago. So does that mean alarm bells should go off about Joe Burrow? Yeah, it did for me. It did for me. Like I, I think I, I sent you both a text today. It's like, I don't know who the hell the quarterback's going to be. Yeah. And like, that answer is part of the reason why. Because I, like everybody, came into the spring assuming that Dwayne Haskins was a starter. And even if they didn't say it, that that's how it would eventually shake out. And like the fact that Urban Meyer has not like changed his tune on what he values in a quarterback, and that's fine. Like He's got three national championships, value what you think is important. Um, yeah, as like, oh, Joe Burrow's got a shot. Like a much more legitimate shot than I ever thought he would have. And it was because of that answer that had nothing to do with this year's quarterback competition. Tim, has your view of the quarterbacks changed at all from what you thought before spring practice started? Um, I think I'm kind of with you guys that it seems more even based on the way Urban talks, based on the way everybody's talking about it. Although part of me also wonders if that's also, you know, them just kind of talking it down because Dwayne, Dwayne may have a slight lead, but they're not going to say, oh, Dwayne's like slightly ahead. You know, he's like this little bit ahead. And it's kind of the same thing with, like, several other positions. No one's really tipping their hand one way or another uh, through all the stuff. And, again, Monday's situation could just been, like, you know, what we talked about. It just could have been just simply a bad day. You know, none of the guys really really have come through and really stepped up. And I think, if like I said this earlier, if you're a coach, the number one, the one, the desired scenario is someone just steals the job right. as early as possible so you don't have that lingering going into the fall. And maybe... There's disappointment from Urban that that just hasn't happened yet, almost halfway through the spring. It's always one of those things, and we know it happens, that coaches say things in the media mm-hmm. to motivate guys. I would imagine that if Urban Meyer's out there saying, I don't know, the quarterbacks haven't looked great, I don't know who the quarterback is, Dwayne Haskins might read that. I'd be aware yeah. of that, take that to heart. All of them would, but Dwayne Haskins, the guy who came in as the leader in his own mind at the very least, might make note of that. And Urban Meyer is obviously very aware that Dwayne Haskins might make note of that. Yeah. And you motivate guys different ways. And we don't know Dwayne Haskins really. We haven't, you know, like not yeah. yet. By the end, we knew, like, again, I always caution people, we just sit in an, in an interview session with these guys. We're not their best friends. We don't go hang out with them. But we talk to their family members sometimes. We talk to their teammates. So I, I feel like we had a good read on JT by the end. Yeah. Um, and I don't think JT Barrett. You would not motivate JT Barrett through the media. No, no, no. You might motivate Dwayne Haskins through the media. Yeah, I think. Does I, 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 does seem like there's like they're the same age essentially, but it almost feels like there's like a generational gap between JT and these guys who are competing now. A yeah. Bit. Um, so I think like all three of these guys to a certain extent could be, but like Haskins and Martell, I think read about themselves. 
Yeah, and, and Joe, Joe was here a year earlier, and it just felt like Joe and JT kind of clicked. Yeah, he said that. He said somebody asked him. It wasn't I forget who it was who asked him. Like one of the one of the talking points when we got to talk to the quarterbacks the other day was like, "Are you guys like still friends through all this competition?" I was like, "I honestly don't really care about," but it's a nice story, I suppose. Um, and Joe Burrow was like, "Yeah, we're friends. Like we're close. We're friends. Like we don't hate each other." But he said, like he made a point to say, like JT and I were very close friends, and yeah. the relationship that he and JT JT shared is on a different level than the relationship that these three guys share at the moment. And I believe that. I would. I believe that JT Barrett would be like, what did he call Joe Burrow? Uh, I can't remember. He calls Dwayne Haskins Ross, right? Ross and John. 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 Yeah. That I could. That JT Barrett and Joe Burrow would. I could almost. See, like, being together and being like, man, kids today. Yeah. Like, about Haskins and yeah. Martell. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, like you said, like, JT Barrett's like three years older than them, and Joe Burrow's one year older than them, but yet, JT and Joe Burrow just seem a little... It is. It, it is almost generation. And it's not. And it's not good or bad. It just is. It just is. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know what? Like, JT in his own way... I mean, people did talk and will always talk about JT Barrett as a leader. But J.T. Barrett led in a very specific kind of way. And J.T. Barrett would never grab his crotch and plant a flag on someone else's field. And when Baker Mayfield did that, a lot of Ohio State fans were like, our guy would never do that. And that's great that Ohio State fans can take pride in that. J.T. Barrett never would. J.T. Barrett never would. J.T. Barrett is a great teammate and a great leader. Nobody ever questioned that. Teammates never did. Coaches never did. We never questioned that. There's nothing to question. But I think a crotch grab isn't a bad thing every now and then. <laughs> and I'm not saying that Dwayne Haskins and Tate Martell are crotch grabbers. But I think they might be a little more towards crotch grabbing on the spectrum of crotch grabbing. Because I mean, J- graphic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> JT Barrett is so far on the other end. Yeah. He's off the chart. And that's a different style of leadership, right? Mm-hmm. I think Baker Mayfield's teammates love him. Yeah. And because you know what? Because, like, he doesn't care what the other team thinks. And listen, JT Barrett isn't, like, a nice guy. JT Barrett went out and ripped Michigan's heart out for four straight years. <laughs> And kicked their butt up and down the field and did whatever he had to do to win and was the toughest guy on the field. So it's not like JT Barrett's some nice guy. JT Barrett will kill you to win a game. But then afterward, you know, so I'm just saying, like, I'm, I'm leaving the door open that it's okay to maybe be a different kind of leader. So, I yeah, it's just a, like, I, and Urban said something, I think he said it last year. Yeah, he said it last year when I asked him about. Tate Martell and Baker Mayfield, like we were t- doing the scout team stuff. Yeah, and I, I don't remember the exact wording, but it was something along those lines of like, "Are you okay with a guy who might want to act that way?" And he, Urban said, like, "I kind of like a guy who like lets it all hang out a little bit," which is like, that's great that you say that, but there's no proof of that. All yeah. the cor- at least at the quarterback position, there's no proof of that. Right. So if he were to, I don't know, maybe he's not. It's just the way it worked out, and it's it's random, but. The personality of Dwayne Haskins and Tate Martell would be a departure from the personality of the quarterbacks that Urban Meyer has had throughout his career. Yeah. Uh, I wonder also, kind of get back to your point about, you know, trying to find ways to motivate him. Urban, we all know, is obviously a psychology major. He's, yep. He's supposed to, 
he works to try and figure out the best way to motivate guys. I wonder, in some weird circle, if, like you mentioned, he's trying to use he speak through us to speak to his quarterback, who, coincidentally enough, is a journalism major at Ohio State. Is he really? Yeah, it says, it says on Dwayne Haskins' profile, he is an OSU scholar-athlete majoring in journalism. I... I'm not sure if I've talked to Dwayne Haskins. Because again, you talked about the Big Ten title game. Oh yeah, I did. Room. I did. Next time I talk to him, I'm going to tell him that journalism is dying. As a favor to him. Yeah, but he's just going to play and do his thing and then go work like NFL Network. Yeah, if, if and, then he, and then I'm sure it's broadcast. I can't imagine it's print. Yeah, if if he's good enough, where <laughs> he has a good college career and does what x amount of whatever in the pros, he's going to get a job. Maybe he ends up being a commentator on ESPN. You see him in ten years calling games with Steve Levy or something. Like, I didn't. I didn't say that in that way, by the way, because I think Dwayne Haskins is incapable of being a print journalist. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just that I don't think he wants to be a guy sitting in someone's basement talking into a cell phone. No, no, no. It's not about him. He would not lower himself. <laughs> Hey, Dwayne, can you do breakfast next Thursday? Yeah, yeah. If that that now, we also will make that our goal. Because sometimes you see, like, uh, sometimes guys are interns for the TV stations around Columbus. Mm-hmm. We have yet to have an intern at Cleveland.com. But we will make it our goal, if not this summer, the next, for Dwayne Haskins to do Buckeye breakfast every morning one summer. For I, want, I want Dwayne Haskins to write the Rutgers Gamer next September. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dwayne, okay, we're going to give you... Um, why uh, Tulane has a 1.3% chance to beat Ohio State. Can you whip that up for some summer reading? Um, Andrew Ardle, our guy, at Andrew Ardle. So we know Tate's getting at least a package. Mm-hmm. Small chance. But what? Small chance about this next part. But what if Joe Burrow wins the starting job after spring? Does Dwayne Haskins also get packages? Think about transferring... Or just wait it out. What happens if Joe, if if Urban Meyer tells the world after spring? Because we said, if if he has to give Joe Burrow an answer, right, yep. the, the best answer he can. If he if he told Joe Burrow, Joe, it's it's going to be Dwayne. Then Joe Burrow would know what to do. Mm-hmm. What if he did, what if he tells him, guys, it's Joe? Uh, I don't think there is any. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's too strong. There's a very small chance that all three of these guys are on the roster in August, I think. And that doesn't necessarily mean Joe Burrow. So, And I think it's always dangerous territory to kind of wade into because it's his guy's life and it's their future and it's very real for them. Um, but I would be surprised if Dwayne Haskins stuck around if that were the case. Yeah, he'll be in a, he'll be in a place where, you know, he's going to – if Joe Burrow's starting and he sees Tate Martell right behind him and whatever quarterback they bring in 2019, he's – there could it be a chance that if he stays at Ohio State and Joe Burrow wants a job, he's only going to get one year to start. And for a guy like him who has the arm talent that he is, why would he want to stick around if he's only going to get maybe one year? And Joe Burrow's got two years left. It's yeah. not like he's he's going to graduate in May, but he still has two years left to play. So you're ta- you're you're essentially asking Dwayne Haskins like, hey, stick around. He could be the starting quarterback in 2020. Right. And like I, I if I were him, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. When Dwayne Haskins is probably thinking about like the NFL draft next year. Yeah. At least in his head. I'm sure that's in his head. Not that he's like not thinking about Ohio State first, but I'm sure he's pondered the possibility that he could go pro after one year as a starter at Ohio State. Yeah, like one so. of he's the like I don't think Joe Burrow like whatever Joe Burrow I think is very good and will be good wherever he plays quarterback next year. Um, I don't think he's going to the NFL next year. But. No, if we said he's J.T. Barrett, 
Yeah. And we don't... I mean, I think he's... JT Barrett-like. You think he's a better arm than JT? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's more accurate and probably a little stronger arm. This is... It is... (sighs) Someday we'll stop talking about JT Barrett. (laughs) It's not yet. But it is. It's like you can go down a, a road where it's like... So, Ohio State uh, is replacing the second best quarterback in the history of the program. Is it possible that all three quarterbacks fighting for the starting job are better than JT Barrett? Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, we don't really mean it, but. Oh, I mean it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's easier said than done. It's easier said than done that I do think, and I talk about this a lot, JT Barrett made a hard job look easy sometimes. Like, as many times as we've joked about third and three quarterback draws. It's not easy to convert every third down in college football, nope. no matter what the play call is. So there are things that he did. He's so good at – we don't have to re-legislate this, but it's, it's, you can easily – you start talking about things in a certain way and you realize what you're saying. And, again, as we've always said, like everything is true. He is the second-best quarterback in the history of Ohio State. He also – has parts of his game that that would lead you to maybe say all three of these guys have better potential than him. I want to back off a little bit my uh, stance that Joe Burrow may not, is probably not a one-and-done type of player because there was once a very prolific Ohio high school quarterback who threw for a ton of yards and won Mr. Football, I'm pretty sure, and went to college and had to sit behind a guy that he was better than for a few years. And Are you going one there? <laughs> You're going there? And then Get ready where he's going. Was a top ten pick in the draft after one year as a starter at North Carolina, Mitchell Trubisky. And I was just curious what like how their high school rankings compared. Um, Trubisky was had like a was a four star and of like a ninety one. Like he's a, according to like the random two four seven generated thing. Four star ninety one, Joe Burrow, four star ninety. Both ranked number eleven in Ohio, both ranked in the two hundreds nationally. Both or Burrow was the number eight dual threat quarterback. Trubisky was the number six dual threat quarterback. So to be clear, forty-five minutes ago on this podcast, we compared Joe Burrow to Tom Brady and Baker Mayfield, and now we just compared him to Mitch Trubisky. And you yelled at me when I compared him to Tom Brady. And oh, guess oh, what? Oh, Tom oh, Brady wait, wasn't wait. the number two overall pick. Yeah, I. You compared him to like, to the best quarterback ever. I compared him <laughs> to the college version of Tom Brady, who frankly was no Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's get into this. You know what? When you start talking about quarterbacks, time flies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chad M. had another question. And he gets two questions because my face is his avatar. <laughs> Ari Wasserman asked a question in the presser about the 2015 quarterback situation, which many believe was Urban's greatest coaching failure at Ohio State. He asked about what he learned and how it will affect the staff in 2018. Urban completely blew it off. I was very alarmed. Should we be alarmed? Um, We can run through that question if we'd like. Um, Again, in the (laughs) like, we talk about this stuff. We just find it so interesting. Like before, Ari asked the question. We were talking about how to phrase it. Afterward, we broke down how it was asked. And we've we had this conversation with Ari. We're not talking behind his back. But like we we talked with him about it because we're all in there together, and we're all trying to get the best answers we can from Urban Meyer. And each of us only gets like one go at it. So you're invested in what the other guys are doing. Right. Um, 
I'm not going to read the whole back and forth, but basically Ari ended up asking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions. Yeah, he didn't ask one of the being good friends. Seven questions. Oh, he didn't? No. No, it was somebody else. Okay. But, okay, so we asked six different questions. There's like a back and forth. And Urban didn't want to talk about it. A, Urban was in a bad mood because practice had not gone well. And you can always tell, and that's natural, but that does affect... I mean, Urban has been great with us without fail. There's like, there's no but to that. He's... Mm-hmm always good with us. He always gives good answers. He always gives us the time and he's never had a blowout with anybody. Everybody notes the Jeremy Fowler blowout when he was at Florida. Um, and we've never had one of those here. At least not publicly. Not like in an open setting, not where other people would see it. Yep. And I don't know that I've heard stories of, of many privately either. Now they've been really good. There hasn't been much yeah. to complain about. Um, but in the end, after the back and forth, this was the, the final conclusion to what Ari asked Urban and what Urban said. Ari, anything you can gain from that, meaning what happened with the quarterbacks in 2015? And Urban said, no, that's history. Got to move on. People, you can go, you can go read the whole exchange on ASAP transcript. If you like news conferences... And you're not aware of ASAP Transcript? It's ASAPSports.com. As soon as possible, ASAPSports.com. And they have, like, every transcript from every sport around the world, every year, every person. So if you want to go read, like, 200 Urban Meyer press conferences from everything he's ever done, they're on there. So this is on there. You can also go watch the video on our Cleveland.com YouTube channel. Oh, no, 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 no. Forget that other thing I said. (laughs) Go watch the video. I think it's, like, three or four minutes in. Were you alarmed? Uh, no. Because I, uh, I think Urban like misunderstood the premise of the question. Because it, and I, I think if you were to ask him in a different way, like is, you handled a very high profile quarterback competition three years ago, is there anything you learned from that that's like influencing what you're doing now? I think there's an answer in there that he'd be willing to give. I just think that, and I think you might have said it. I think he felt like he was being asked to sort of relitigate that entire competition, and he obviously wasn't going to do that. So that wasn't alarming to me. Um, I don't think even if he thought he made a mistake in 2015 that he would stand up there and say it because I think in some way that would be like an indictment on the talent of Cardell Jones and JT Barrett, two guys he likes very much. Yeah, it's, it's dangerous territory because you don't want to you want to bury your guys. Yeah. You know, because it's like when a guy loses a job, it's usually because he wasn't playing that well. And um, But do you, do you think... In the right circumstance, when he's in the right mood, that he would ever admit... And, and what we're basically talking about is, for instance, when they took out Cardale in the Hawaii game. Yeah. And that's what... And we did a video about this. Is that video up yet? Or is that going up tomorrow? Does that go up today? No. No, it tomorrow? It's up already. Isn't it up already? Uh, the, what day is it? It's Tuesday? Tuesday night right now. We have another video going Wednesday morning, right? Yeah. You're putting it up? Is yeah. that the one? It's about how we think there's no comparison. Yeah, okay. Oh, so okay. that video is going up Wednesday morning where we talked all about this. And is there a comparison or not? But I think we feel like the comparison and the thing that would alarm you 
is once you get to the season. Because mm-hmm. I don't know that any of us would necessarily argue that the way they conducted the battle with JT and Cardale was done poorly. Because as you mentioned in the video, and we're previewing our own video now, but JT was hurt in the spring, so there was no battle in the spring. And then, in hindsight, JT said that his injury was in his head, he pressed, he didn't play well in the competition, and Urban ended up naming Cardale to the surprise of many people. But I think everybody, including JT, admitted JT didn't play well. Mm -hmm. So Urban picked the guy who played better, and that was Cardale. And I think, I don't, do you think that was a problem? That was picking Cardale the beginning of the problem? That he just should have picked JT? No, I mean, if, if listen, the, the competition has to play itself out, and that's what it led to, then that's fine. And, and I also don't, like, they're not, that was not the first team in the history of college football to not name a starter going into the season opener. It happens all the time. It's mostly gamesmanship when it happens, but it happens. So, no, I don't. I don't think it was a mistake to name Cardell the starter, but the mistake happened in the Hawaii game. So the mistake, again, the mistake is what happened in the season. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Is that what you think, Tim? Yeah, I mean, if you have a competition and a guy comes out a winner, again, you stick with him. You you don't continue the competition long enough because if he wins the job, he wins the job. You don't keep the competition going when you're trying to win games, and the best way to do that is to not have your quarterback constantly looking over his shoulder every other snap, knowing the next mistake you make could be the one that puts you back on the sideline with a headset on. Yeah, I think the two things to me that stand out from that competition that should be things that they learn, and I think will be things that they learn. One is don't create a situation where the guy on the field is looking over his shoulder, and that's what we just talked about. The second is, Make sure with the plays you are calling and the offense you are running, you are accentuating what the quarterback you pick does best. And I felt like they never did that with Cardale Jones. And I feel like that falls a lot on Ed Warner and Tim Beck. They had a lot of problems with the play-calling structure, with the play-calling communication. They switched things up with those guys in the middle of the year. But I never felt like they gave Cardale an offense that fit what he wanted to do. So to me, the two things are... If Dwayne Haskins, for instance, is named a starter, are you creating situations that would make Dwayne Haskins look over his shoulder? And are you having Dwayne Haskins run a bunch of quarterback draws on third and three? And he's not making it. Yeah. Because if you're doing that, you're not you're not doing what he does right. You, you know, like and Ryan Day had talked this spring, and all the things Ryan Day didn't say and wouldn't say and was not really interested in getting in depth about the status of the quarterback situation. He did talk about it's a great big playbook. We're not changing the playbook, but it's a great big playbook, and you have to pick the plays out of there that each guy does best. So Ryan Day, at the very least, is talking a good game Mm -hmm. about fitting this offense to the quarterback because do you guys believe that this offense would have to be somewhat substantially different if it's a Haskins offense, a Burrow offense, or a Tate offense? Do you think so, Tim? Or do you think basically... 80, 85, 90% of what we see would be basically the same vibe, the same structure of play calls, the same stuff on third down that they ran with JT Barrett. I think it's obviously going to have to change a little bit if it's Haskins, much more of it's Haskins than if it's Burrow and Martell. If it's those other two guys, you can afford to run a lot similar things that you do with JT Barrett. You can afford to run a lot more strict zone read. You can run more RPOs with the threat of the quarterback running. With Haskins, you're going to have to throw a lot of that up because it's not nearly as nimble a runner as the other two. 
Yeah, I don't think – I think about – I feel pretty safe saying about 85% of the offense probably wouldn't change. You would see more quarterback run with the other two guys than you with Haskins and then, like, the RPO stuff Tim was talking about. Like, I think what the line does, what the, what happens in the backfield is the same. It's what happens at after – and I think I've said this before. It's what happens after the quarterback decides to keep the ball is what would change if Haskins is the quarterback. Yeah, that it's – it's going to be a read game, but the read is not going to be tailback run or quarterback run. It's going to be tailback run or a quick or throw. A throw. Yeah, and I think, but and I think, I think they're actually kind of comfortable with Haskins' ability to extend plays. And Ryan Day said that, didn't they say like Dwayne runs well enough to get himself out of trouble? Like, yeah, and, but that's like I, I would just love to have like an hour long Q and A with like Urban and Ryan Day. Because, like, that's not what I'm talking about. No, I know, I know. Like, I've, and, and that's not really what JT did. Of course not, no. But, yeah. it, but it is, well... I mean, at times... To but, a, to, yeah, sometimes he did. But, yeah, look, design, that, that's not design quarterback run. But, like, on the list, like, extend the play is on the list of things they look for. And I think Dwayne Haskins checks that box. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be very curious into how comfortable Dwayne Haskins looks running the zone read, how often they do it. And then what happens after he keeps? Yeah. And just how fluid all of that is. Because in the end, for, and, and again, the main thing to me is for the zone read to work, your quarterback has to be a threat after he keeps it. Now, in the past, before last year, we were, before they said RPO a thousand times during the Super Bowl, <laughs> you would have said that quarterback has to be a threat running it after he keeps it. We're not saying that now. We're saying he has to be a threat once he keeps it. Because if he's not a threat, all you do is crash on the running back and say, go ahead, Dwayne Haskins. We're not scared of what you're going to do. And that, to me, is the number one question of everything happening with this team right now. Because I'm still operating under the assumption that, A, Dwayne Haskins has the highest upside, B, he's the most likely guy to win the job, and then in that scenario, what do they do because I don't think he's enough of a threat as a runner. And I'm very curious how comfortable he's going to be at the mesh point making the read. That's my number. I, I can't wait for him to play a full game in the full range of the offense to break that down. Because I don't know what's going to happen. And he did. And, and then looking back at the question from two years ago on signing day, Urban was saying he did. In that moment, it's like he did some of that in high school. He did run yeah. some of the zone reads. We walked. Ari and I went and watched him in 2014. I think before Ohio State played Maryland, and he did. He definitely did. Like, and I, I think I wrote a story that said he was more like JT Barrett than he was like Braxton Miller, um, which is I was in hindsight I shouldn't even said the name Braxton Miller because it didn't deserve to be in that conversation. Um, but he definitely did some of that stuff. Yeah. All right. More questions, and this is getting into another main thing that is what we've been talking about, which is Urban's Mood Monday. Frank Fitz, forthright Fitz. Is Urban just motivating his team by saying the team's not as far along? In the end, did you think Monday, Tim, did you think that was primarily motivation or was that actual, real Urban frustration in the moment? I'm sure there's some frustration that goes into that. He, I, he's uh, Part of that, I think, is, you know, one thing I'm thinking about right now is, you know, he's a guy who... When it comes to recruiting, we talk about he cares about the rankings. He knows he has two classes of top five player, two top five classes full of players that he thinks should be stepping into big roles right now. And if he thinks they're underperforming, 
that's not looking good because he's like, I got all these really good players and not enough of them are stepping up to the plate. And when they're given opportunities in the spring to earn some jobs to, to, if they can't earn them to at least put a step forward into them. And if he sees that spring's almost half over and that there's opportunities out there that these guys aren't getting, he's going to get, he's get probably getting a little frustrated. I'm sure any coach would in that situation. Yeah. I, I think like it's, Probably a little bit of both, but the anger was legitimate. I thought, like I don't, like he's not. He will. Urban Meyer is certainly not above playing games in the media to motivate players, but he's like also not going to come in and like act. No, he was pissed off. Yeah, he was definitely angry. Yeah, Alan Kitchen. Similar. I was actually happy to see Urban a bit upset with the team's lack of progress. Do you think they're truly behind where he wants them, or is he pissed about last year and an ultra competitive win a natty this year mode? I and the interesting part of that is like is in he is he in win a natty mode? Like I, I I don't I actually don't think so. You don't think so? Well, not yet. I don't I don't think that's the way he operates in the spring. I think yeah, what okay. he cares about in the spring is like just like how hard are you going? And he says he said it about the linebackers like they're not that good and that's okay as long as they play hard. And I think like effort and whatever the four to six A to B stuff they talk about is what's most important in the spring. So maybe just like guys weren't going hard enough on Monday, and that's what he was angry about. I don't think, I don't think he's got like his sights locked in on a national championship in April. That's probably, I think he would probably he might actually say that that's like borderline unhealthy to be thinking about that stuff yeah, at this point. I could see that. Chad M again. In your years of covering the team, has there ever been a spring presser like this? Should alarm bells be going off? I, I will say, I have been, and I have a terrible memory. I have been at multiple pressers where the coach comes in and practice was just bad. Mm-hmm. And the coach is in a bad mood. I, I, I think I have memories of like Jim Trestle doing that. Because there are certain situations where you're getting them, they walk off the field and into the room, and we're sitting there. And in moments like that, that's the last thing they want to do, is come in and talk to us. And they're just in a bad mood. Because that you just had a bad day, you just had a couple bad hours at the office. And so I would not... Um, no, I, I don't think alarm bells should be going off. It's it's normal. And I grabbed, like, if Urban was walking away, and I basically asked that exact question. It was final question. All right, thanks, guys. And Urban started to walk away. And I said, Urban, one more. Is this Was this normal, or is this something more than that? And he said it was a bad practice. It happens, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I do think... That's the answer you expected, but I wouldn't have asked that question if I didn't think there was a 10 or 15% chance that he might come back and say, you know what, this isn't normal. This team needs to be better. This team is the defending Big Ten champion. That was not the practice of a defending Big Ten champion. And if they think they can win another Big Ten championship practicing like that, they're going to find out how wrong they are. Like, I thought, like, that was out there to say. Yeah. Given his mood, given how he's a pretty straight shooter with us, and he didn't say that. So I just think it was a bad practice, and that happens. That was my overall. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. But I think it was mostly a bad practice, and it happens to everybody. We've had plenty of Wednesday urban press conferences like that during the season. Yep. Last year was different because Monday, like the, with the new schedule, they don't practice on Monday, and he just kind of comes in and talks to us like in a day of like meetings and game prep and stuff, but. There's been plenty of Wednesday evening Urban Meyer press conferences where he's angry. And, like, we always joke about, like, with the vibe we get from him. Like, oh, he's feeling good. They're going to win by 50 this week. Yep. Or he's angry. This could be a game. 
Yeah. Um, Tim, I'm directing this one at you, our boy Tyler Shoemaker. Buckeye Tie 23. Obviously hate to see anyone get injured, but what does the tough Borland injury do for the linebacker rotation? Does that perhaps solve the loyalty versus young talent dilemma we've seen at a few positions by forcing Urban's hand to play the young talent? And we have another linebacker question that goes with that, and I want to include it because it's similar but a little different. Who's your favorite to take the middle linebacker position with the injury to Borland? That's OSU Sportsfan 93. So answer the second question first. Again, to preface, Urban Meyer said Tough Borland will be back for the fall, and at the moment we're operating under that assumption. So we're talking right now, in practice, running with the ones, who's your favorite to be the starting middle linebacker, Tim? Well, it looks like, well, Justin Hilliard's been running mostly with the ones, and I think it's a big thing for him, and I mentioned this in the video that he's healthy. You know, he, he he's obviously had injury problems throughout his career. Um, he looks healthy now, and I think they're going to give him a shot because with a guy like Baron Browning, we talked about he's a guy who you don't necessarily have to play a middle linebacker. You could play him at any linebacker position you really want. And I think Hilliard might be more of a pure inside linebacker. And the way Irvin Meyer talked about Borland, he, t- he stopped just short of naming him the starting middle linebacker. You know, did he stop just short of it, or did he do it? I kind of felt like he did it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he, it's again, it's a hurt guy after six practices of spring. But he really, it was an opportunity for him to really say how much he loved tough Borland, right? Yeah, and that spoke volumes to me because, I mean... He compared he, him to JT. Yeah, he dodged. He dodged a couple of questions. We asked about safety. We asked about positions, and when he asked, we asked if Tuff Borland's going to be started. He's like, sure. Uh, that stood out to me a little bit. That you know he's battling an injury, but when he got his chance last season, especially against pro style teams, teams like Army run the option. Obviously not pro style, but run heavy teams. That's when Borland was at his best. There, Urban falls in love with guys. Yep. There was a certain kind of guy that Urban loves, and. He loved John Simon, and he loved J.T. Barrett. I think he loved, like, Raekwon McMillan. You know, there are just certain guys who I think it's the guys that he thinks are talented but are also, like, completely focused and on task every minute of every practice and also have talent and ability while they're doing it, you know? And that's not everybody. That's not everybody. But you can sort of tell when he's in on a guy. And it felt like to me like, oh, he loves him. Yeah. He loves some tough. Um, But I will say this. And we talked about, didn't we do a young talent versus loyalty thing, right? That was like a thing we did. Uh I can't remember what we did. But to Tyler Shoemaker's question, he said Baron Browning is like as talented of a linebacker as he's ever seen, right? Mm-hmm. Like basically volunteer that information. But yet Baron Browning's not running with the ones. Justin Hilliard, who I think is like somehow a mix of loyalty and young talent, because he was young talent, but now he's a fourth-year guy who's never played because he's been hurt. He's the guy who's in there. It's a little odd to me that Urban is effusive about Baron Browning, but yet here we are with an injury, and Baron Browning's like not the starting middle linebacker. What's up? Yeah, I think that's going to change. Also, this could be the fault of... Good old linebackers coach. 
Yeah, no, I here's what I, I think if you were to ask Bill Davis about the linebackers, the middle linebackers at the moment, he would talk a lot about like making the calls, making the calls, and like Justin Hilliard is probably the guy they trust more to make the calls because he's older. Um, Baron Browning's better, I think. Like I say that confidently, having really never seen Baron Browning play football before. I just think Baron Browning's better, and I lean a little bit more towards what like Urban said that Baron Browning is as talented as every any linebacker who's ever walked through the door at Ohio State. And when he was asked about Justin Hilliard, he talked about special teams. Yep. So that, in my mind, was a window into, like, yeah, Justin Hilliard is the older guy. The injury, like, kind of just happened. Um, I would be – I think I would consider it a upset if Byron Browning is not the starting middle linebacker, like, in the spring game. So, okay. So can I ask – here's the direct quote. He's as talented a linebacker as has ever walked through these doors. He's a big freak that can do it all. Great young man. Did not play well early in the season, just was out of his comfort zone. By the end of the season, he was really contributing in a lot of areas on special teams and should have played some defense, but he just didn't earn that yet. But he's got it all now. He's got A to Z, an intelligent guy, a good person, and God has blessed him with an incredible skill set. However, God has also blessed him with a mediocre position coach, and that's why he's not with the first team. I made up that last sentence. But how can, how can the head coach... Have that answer about a guy who was a top ten recruit. There's an injury at his position, and it's like, oh, he's still second team. I don't get it. Yeah, I'm not reading too much into it at the moment. You know what I'm right? I also think it's Greg Schiano's decision, not Bill Davis's. Well, I mean, I feel I agree with, the, but like right now. No, right now, I'm probably like eventually. It doesn't, it doesn't matter now. That's the thing. It doesn't matter. But doesn't it matter? No, I don't think so. If, if you have a guy who's who's a sophomore who needs reps on defense, it doesn't matter that he's not. If, like, but who's to say he's not getting them? We watched 40 minutes of one practice and like whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Justin Hilliard was out there more, but there's another hour and a half of practice we didn't see, yeah. and there are going to be nine other practices that we don't see. If so. I don't see it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, th- there's always the potential that like they're they have. Like, certain guys are ones that they don't anticipate being with the ones, and they want to show us one thing, and then get... So we get the message out, and then by spring game, all of a sudden, you know, we see something completely different. I want to see where Baron Browning is for the spring game, for the spring game yeah. what he looks like. Yeah. They're just going to split them up, and they're going to be on different teams, and they're both going to start. All right. We got a DeLillo three-pack. They're all good. They can all be quick. All right. You know who DeLillo is. Do the people know who DeLillo is? Yeah. If they don't, they should. Big guy. Has a beard. Is Michigan officially a basketball school? <laughs> Better coach, more success the last decade, and even wearing a basketball guy on the football uniforms now. I thought that question was funny. Uh, no. What program pays the bills? That defines whether or not you're a football school or a basketball Well, in what, in what way? Because now that makes me want to look. By the way, our guy Rich Exner, who is the numbers guy at Cleveland.com, just put out this week a gigantic breakdown of all the budgets of all the Big Ten teams. But, what I don't know, what pays the bills in Indiana? Doesn't football probably make more money than basketball? Uh, on years when they host Ohio State. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what inspires... I'm trying to think. So, if this was... If Ohio State football went through, like, a 20-year period of pain and mediocrity, which Michigan won the national title in 97, right? Mm-hmm. Which basically is what the last 20 years have been for Michigan. They haven't all been terrible. 
But they've had a couple ups, but for the most part, it has been below the level that they want to be and expect to be at, right? Sure. For 20 years. Mm-hmm. And basketball, with this guy, frickin' Beeline, is a master. Yep. And they get better at the end of the year. They've been... Is this just a second Final Four, though? I think it's... A, they went with Trey Burke, right? They went to the national title game with Trey Burke. Right. But there think, wasn't another one. I think I it's think. a second Final Four, but they went to the Elite Eight last year, right? Didn't they? Uh, so the Elite Eight last year, so the if the tournament. same thing, if Thad Mata, I mean, what Beeline's doing is very similar to the, to the peak Thad Mata years. Mm-hmm. If Thad Mata had done what he did in an era where Ohio State was at the end of a 20-year run of relative football mediocrity, would Ohio State have been a basketball school? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. And we know Ohio State intimately because we get paid to know Ohio State. We don't know Michigan intimately, but is the answer automatically the same? That that's the situation Michigan is in? Just like we would never say that now Ohio State's a basketball school. Is, do you say the same thing about Michigan, or is it a little bit different? I say the same thing. And I, beyond the money, like obviously Michigan football makes more money than Michigan basketball, but it's like what people are interested in too. And it's hard. Like, if you ask somebody now, they probably say Michigan basketball because they're about to play in the Final Four. But if you ask someone in July, what do you care more about, Michigan football or Michigan basketball? I think the overwhelming answer would be Michigan football. I would, yeah, it's a football school that is having just an outstanding five, six-year run in basketball. I mean, credit to Beeline, who's done a oh, tremendous job. With they're, I mean, they're a really good basketball program. They it's are like, really there's, good. They're, like, it, I think it's whatever. Both of them can be good in football basketball at the same time. Like, they are. They're, they are... On-field success obviously gets taken into account, but Michigan is a football power, and Michigan, I think, is a basketball power. And Michigan State is a what school? Uh, basketball, I think, more than football. Yes, yeah, slightly basketball. And that's, and again, we're not talking what Beeline has done and what Thad did has not risen to the level of Tom Izzo, who's a Hall of Fame coach who's been doing it for 20 years. I don't know. That feels like a summer podcast. Um, football school or basketball That'd be, school. I would listen, I hope, are there a Michigan State podcast? I want to listen to a Michigan State podcast that gives me the definitive answer. Well, what if we did a podcast this summer, or what if we broke it up into two podcasts and we did the two divisions? Although we can't break it up two divisions because the problem, just like in real life for the Big Ten, would be that one podcast would be interesting and the other one would suck. <laughs> one would be interesting and one would be about the West, yeah. yeah. But have on seven beat writers... In each well, like, podcast and say, what was, is your school a football school or a basketball school? Two years ago, what was Wisconsin? I don't know. Like Kaminsky's last year, whatever year though, 2015. I mean, I mean like, they were good. They were the They've been year, good, right? but like Bo, when Bo had it rolling, like they went, to the, they went to the tournament for 19 straight years. Yeah. They weren't that good in football for those 19 straight years. I don't know. But again, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the outsiders say. It matters what the what the fan base says. Yeah, yeah. So I would want to hear from a Wisconsin writer: Is Wisconsin a football school or a basketball school? And that's your choice. And like, if we had like a if we had like a ten minute discussion with thirteen other beat writers over two podcasts about that, would that be interesting or not? Yeah, I think on a case by case basis it could be, but we could also like have some fun with it and like talk for Rutgers about eight for eight seconds. Oh, yeah, and, like, hang up. Keith Sargent Keith would be like, Sargent. well, we'd like, thanks, Keith, for joining us. Click. <laughs> You're a lacrosse school. Bye. Wow. I can't believe you went there. Um, DeLillo Part 2, Thad Mata back to Xavier. Thoughts. Does that make sense at all? 
Uh, Chris Mack went to Louisville. I'm sure Thad would probably want that job, but I. But what I thought you and I had this conversation briefly. Did we not? We can't figure out what he wants. Yeah, we we had in the basketball podcast. We can't figure out like if he wants to come back and coach and try to win titles, or he wants to come back and just coach and it doesn't matter. But I don't know if he, like would revisiting a place where he had great success, but then left in a way that a lot of people were Maybe, mad at yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people were mad at him. That lingered into that. Round of 32 game against Xavier with the Odin Conley team when Xavier should have won. There were angry, angry Xavier people. And that was only three years removed. But I, it, it's just, he ended up, he lied. Yeah. Which you get caught. You shouldn't lie. You should just obfuscate and be vague. He ended up like saying, like, I'm, I think, like, I'm not going in any way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, I think, like, he could go to a Xavier type school, but I don't know that going. To Xavier right now, when Xavier's coming off a one seed, no, would be the right thing. Yeah, Xavier's too good of a program to get. Like, we'll talk about like you want to coach on the way up or way down, and you don't. Sometimes you don't have a choice. Like High Point hired Tubby Smith, and Tubby Smith is on the way down, like on wrong number ninety four on the way down. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, Xavier's Xavier's position is too good of a program to hire Thad Mata. So you think more that Xavier, Xavier wouldn't want Thad Mata than Thad Mata wouldn't want Xavier? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Last question from DeLillo, and I love how DeLillo spreads it out. He went football, basketball, food. And he directed this specifically at me, but we all can answer. I feel like you'd be a Boston market guy. Am I wrong? And I think he means that, like, would I want to go to a place that offers something... That is perhaps a little more than traditional fast food fare, but yet offers it in a very bland fast food way. <laughs> and my answer would be, hell yeah. <laughs> it's like, do I want like turkey that's not as good as like your family's Thanksgiving turkey? But it's like it's kinda like it's kinda like turkey. Yeah. <laughs> and you get like a piece of cornbread, and uh, I mean you get mashed potatoes, and it's like eh, most of the time you don't get mashed like and like the corn I've eaten like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I want. I still remember there was a when I lived in Delaware, there was a Boston chicken. Yeah. The road, and then they changed their name. What a bold yeah. strategy that was. Did they change the menu? I think they expanded. Okay. Or maybe they had previously expanded and they wanted the name to represent what they were. <clears throat> so um I don't eat it much. But I, am definitely like in a situation where if I, if I were in Boise, for instance, for three days, Love it. and there was a Boston Market like in the parking lot of the hotel, I'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna eat Boston Market for like the third meal here. Do they have those here? I'm trying to think if I've seen one. I'm looking at it now. I'll look I, up Boston Markets. You guys say if you like. I think I saw like I did, I did a Google Map thing where you look at. I think there's two around Dublin and one off 315 somewhere, like a couple. Of oh yeah, there's there. definitely one off 315 because there's a sign. It's on the sign on the highway. Um, I have not had it a ton in my life. From what I remember, I remember it being an enjoyable experience. I like cornbread a lot, so I'm always in on that. Um, so I think it's fine. It's not. I, I don't think I've had Boston Market like as an adult, and I'm 29, so I haven't had it in at least 10 years. Um, but I did appreciate Boston Market in the Super Bowl when the Eagles played the Patriots, changing their name to Philadelphia Market in the city of Philadelphia. Really? Yeah. That is such... Or Philly Market or something. It took, they like crossed out Boston. No. Yeah. Did they serve like cheesesteaks all day instead of uh, oh, I don't know. Maybe. processed turkey? <laughs> wow. Um, now I kind of don't like them because they pandered to Philly. Did Philly go for that? 
Oh, would destroy, oh yeah, I like, love it. I'm sure that was the best like two weeks of business Boston markets really? ever done in the city. I feel like real Philadelphians should have burned those Boston markets to the ground. Like, don't pander to us and cross out your name. I'm going to Tony Luke's for some there's, roast pork. There's a very good chance that people were going to like throw rocks through the windows of Boston <laughs> Market if they didn't change the name. Uh, the Jordan Steele, our guy, what's the more crucial position battle, quarterback or center? We know on the very first day of spring practice, Urban Meyer talked about how concerned he was about center. Off of a quarterback question, six practices in, where do we stand? He said, what's more important? What's the more crucial position? Oh, uh, more crucial. Uh, I don't know. I'm inclined to say quarterback because it's the... Doesn't Urban Meyer always say like it's the most important position in all of sport? How could it not be the most important position battle? Yeah, I mean, what, there's, the uh, what, what, there's two... I would say there. What are the two? There's two clearly most important positions in sports, right? What are your two most important positions in sport? Quarterback and I don't know, pitcher, hockey goalie. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. The, right. Tim's in. He said hockey. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. And it would be pitcher if your pitcher pitched every day. Yeah. But your goalie plays every day, and your quarterback plays every game, and they, like, if they have a bad day, you're. Yeah. Screwed. No, that, that I think that's right. Um, I'll say quarterback, but I also think like they. They have three good options at quarterback, and I don't know what to think of their options at center. Bingo. So that's ex- which leads like I think my answer might be center exactly because of that. Yeah. Because I think wherever, even though he's not happy with the quarterback battle right now, I think wherever they come out with quarterback, I think they'll be fine. I don't know if there's a good center on this team. Yeah. No, that's, that's yeah. Okay, I've changed my mind. Center. And obviously, it's not as important, but like it's important enough that I feel like. I think if you a, have a bad center, you might be in trouble. I mean, we saw it, they had a bad right tackle two years ago, and we saw what happened with that. Like, it's I know you're on an island, and you're not when you're at center, but like a, one bad position on the offensive line can matter greatly. We are talking to offensive linemen on Wednesday, Wednesday. and offensive line coach Coach Stud mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Um, in the name of parsing out, figuring out our questions, I asked Urban Meyer about the offensive line on Monday in anticipation of that. Asked about the offensive line depth in general um, and mentioned in the question about how he talked about the center position. He said, I feel Brady Taylor is doing the right job. The other guy has to get better. That's Myers. That's Josh Myers. Josh is swinging hard and Matt, meaning Matt Burrell. We even took a look at Alibi in there a little bit. Josh Alibi, who's a left tackle, the backup left tackle. So it's okay. Once again, it wasn't a great day. But he did sing a lot. I mean, Brady Taylor clearly is leading that job right now. And again, we've talked a lot about Josh Myers um, as a highly rated guy, a redshirt freshman. We thought it was interesting when he was moved to center. We thought that clued us into something that maybe that highly rated recruit's going to beat out a fifth-year guy who's never been a starter before. But through six practices, that sounded like Brady Taylor clearly is winning. Yeah, which was a, a change of tune from the first day. It was. Yeah. There's a fascinating question here that I'm going to save. I'm going to ask this now so you guys can ponder it a little bit. Evan Imel, who always asks good questions, how many players from this year's team get drafted next year? Mm. Tim, if you want to start like making a... If you look at the roster, I have a summary of my doctor's visit that we could write on the back. My next appointment is June 20th at 10.45 a.m. Help me remember that. You can write on the back of the sheet, you make your list 
your preliminary Buckeyes who will be drafted in the 2019 draft, and then we can discuss your list. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So. And then we'll end the podcast with that because it's such a good question. All right. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, we have some Ryan Day stuff. Uh, well, first, a David McMahon question. D. McMahon 65. I think we talked about this a little bit before, but it's worth discussing. Is Ryan, if, if, if Ryan Day is working with the receivers and Zach Smith is the receivers coach, does this mean Smith hasn't been doing what he should have been doing? Receivers have not been great the last several years. Urban Meyer like gave us an answer that led us down that path, and Zach Smith on receiver day kind of pushed back against that. Not surprising. Not surprising that he pushed back? Not surprising that he pushed back on the thing that makes him look bad. Yeah. yeah, what do you think that, like, I was trying, Ryan Day, I will, when we were watching practice and I was watching the quarterbacks, they were doing a lot of quarterback, running back, mesh point, zone read stuff, and, and Ryan Day was, like, right in the middle of all that stuff the whole time. Yeah. So we didn't really see a lot of, like, quarterback and receiver stuff. And I, so I don't know. I don't. I don't know exactly what that means. Ryan Day, I think, was also asked about it and kind of gave like, eh. The one thing Ryan Day did say is it's no different than last year. Yeah. No, I don't. Like, I don't think like that. It's like a like Zach Smith is like just a prop who's like there. Like he, he's the, he's the receivers coach, and it's his room. And I think it's his room until uh, the principal shows up, and the principal's Ryan Day, or the principal's Kevin Wilson, or the principal's Urban Meyer, and then he walks in, and Zach Smith sits down, and the principal talks, and the principal leaves, and then Zach Smith starts talking again. Um, but I do think there's something to, like Ryan, like there. You asked about passing game coordinator, running game coordinator. Yeah. I don't think they're they're not going to have those titles, but I think that that is kind of the breakdown. I do think it's yeah. kind of the breakdown. So like the quarterback coach slash passing coordinator works with all the parts of the passing game. And Kevin Wilson is very heavily involved with the offensive line. Yep. Um, I don't think that means that Greg Stoudrawa has less of a role. I don't think it means Zach Smith has less of a role. I just think it's more like a holistic approach to coaching the offense. When I did ask Ryan Day if it's sort of like he's the passing game coordinator, Kevin Wilson's the running game coordinator, he said no, but I work with the quarterbacks and receivers, <laughs> yeah. and Kevin Wilson works with the running backs and tight ends and offensive That's line. And it was sort of like, okay, like are we just playing... For tax purposes, they're not. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You are the... To quote a phrase that I heard recently, Ryan Day is the common law passing game coordinator, <laughs> and Kevin Wilson is the common law running game coordinator. And I won't say where I heard that. Uh, Tim, is your list... We're not going to get to your list. I just want to know if you're if you're back in to be engaged with these other questions, because I don't want to ask this question without you ch- chiming in. I am ready to jump back in. This is an important one. Scott Duda, another one of our guys. Great questions. Donuts, pizza, or wings can choose only one. Oh. Yeah. So I think, I don't know if it was Scott who asked this question. Someone asked a question that was very similar like a week ago, like after we recorded the last podcast before we recorded this, and it was like, you're on an island, you can choose one of these things, what do you choose? And I was having lunch with Ari, and it's like, somebody asked a really good question, and here it is. And Ari's like, that's not a, that's not a good question. That's not hard to answer at all. And then I thought about it. I was like, yeah, it's not hard to answer, because the answer is pizza. You take pizza. Yes, because... I mean, donuts are donuts, wings are wings, but pizza can be spun in different ways. I mean, there's no limits to the pizza. It can be, you know, you know, like a chewy crust. It can be a deep dish. It can be New York style. It could be just like, like there's ten different ways to cook a pizza. Donuts, there's really only two things you can do. Donuts and donut holes. Same with wings. Well, there's different toppings. Right, exactly. But you have more variety. You'd also, with- like, die of a... Uh- 
diabetic shock if you ate nothing but donuts. That that yeah. is correct. <laughs> and wings and wings, I get there are like dozens of sauces, but you can only either bone in or boneless. Let me ask this: Have you ever gotten sick of pizza? Never. No. Yeah, I would like to hear if you have gotten sick of pizza. Tweet at Buckeye Talk Pod or any of us. Tweeted us this week, and we'll try to get a collection together for the next podcast of stories about getting sick of pizza. I thought you were going to say, if you've been sick of pizza, stop listening. Yeah. <laughs> get out. No, but that would be interesting. I'd like to hear that. I think it's good to hear people's life experiences, especially when they differ from your own, even if you think they're crazy. Jordan Steele, if you were to host a dinner party for the Ohio State coaching staff, what would you choose for your main course? Bread. <laughs> What does that mean? What? <laughs> it's white. <laughs> wow. Oh. Uh, oh, man. I don't know. I I saw the question. I thought of it. What about prime rib? Because I'm hosting football coaches. You want something that's sort of classy but also meat. And I think prime rib fits in both categories. All about classy meat. Now, and now prime rib, right? That's not getting cut up at the carving station, right? That's just served on your plate. I don't right? know steak. I have no idea. But prime rib, I don't know. It just <laughs> Tim, can you tell us what prime rib is? <laughs> it's the stuff. It's the stuff that they have to do the car at the carving station for you. I've had it. They've done it a couple times. You know what? Uh, so for, it's, it's thinly sliced. Um, no, no, but when you get, don't won't they serve you a piece of prime rib, or do you have to go up and get it carved? I don't want to make Urban Meyer wait in line to get something carved. At my dinner party, because I think he'll get mad at me. And I think Urban, I think everybody would make Urban go first, and then yeah, make like true. make either Zach yeah. Smith or Bill Davis go last. And yeah, they, and no, they don't, I think that's true. And they you get go, the, yeah, they get the piece with, paid. and they get the piece with the. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone to the carving station in order of salary <laughs> to the carving station in order of salary, and you know who would be last? Us. Yeah, and you know, and also Urban would get the piece that has the most bark and char on it because that's where all the flavor is and then Bill Davis and Zach Smith by comparison get the one that's just like all all meat and no crust uh, if one thing if there's one thing we've learned from Tim Bielek in his time here on Buckeye Talk it's that the flavor is in the char yeah yep. yeah, that's, yeah. How, that's how barbecue works I've is prime rib barbecue Technic- no but the, no no but it's, it's we really sound dumb that knowing prime rib is like the big but it's always pink Right? I don't like the pink. It's always yeah. pink. I don't like pink meat. I serve chicken fingers. Chicken fingers is always a winner, though. Yeah. yeah. They're football coaches. They're not... And if you don't like chicken fingers, it says a lot about you as a person. Yeah. Pizza's always good. I mean, yeah. who at a party, unless you have, like, Little Caesars, doesn't look at pizza and say, like, sweet, can I have a slice? I, I am like tempted to ask Urban this question now at the next news conference. We should, I wonder, what, what do you think his favorite food is? We should ask him what his favorite food is. Like, because we could—that that would be great fodder for this particular. That podcast. would be. Everybody else would be mad, but we would have a topic for the next podcast. Just pull them off the side. Like, what's your favorite food? We can ask Shelly. Shelly would tell us. She, we can ask her right now. Yeah. We could get her on the podcast. She'd probably come <laughs> yeah. on the podcast. Uh, Michael Wine, and we go from like what food we would serve to like a completely in-depth question that we have no shot of answering in two minutes. Ohio State has always produced good NFL players in every position except quarterback. Why is that, and do you think that's going to change with Dwayne Haskins? It is remarkable. We've The, the, the lack of first-round Big Ten quarterbacks is something that we have written and talked about, everybody has written and talked about. Um, and, and when you talk about that, Ohio State's the best program. Mm-hmm. 
So if you're talking about why doesn't the Big Ten produce any first-round quarterbacks, Ohio State's at the top of that list. And I think it's because, at least in the Trestle and Urban era, I think Jim Trestle subscribed to the same theory that Urban Meyer subscribes to. That playing quarterback is not about throwing the ball, it's about leading and being tough and being competitive and finding a way to win. And so Urban Meyer and Jim Trestle do not trot out, do not attempt to recruit guys who they can project to the NFL at that position. Craig Krenzel wasn't that. Troy Smith wasn't that. Now, Terrell Pryor was that as an athlete, but they didn't recruit Terrell Pryor because he threw it so well, because he was such a dynamic dual threat. They weren't recruiting Peyton Manning. Yeah. Now, Urban Meyer did recruit Cam Newton to Florida. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, but, but I think... I think like the short answer is somewhere in that idea. Braxton Miller is a guy that was a huge get for Jim Tressel and is a guy that Urban Meyer recruited like crazy and tried to get at Florida. Braxton Miller is an unbelievable football player. But I don't know that, that anybody thought when they saw him NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think there's a world where if he hadn't gotten hurt, I always thought he could have done it. I actually thought he had a better shot at it than a lot of other people did because he could throw it. He could throw it, and he is a he's bonkers with the ball in his hand. And then just the way he got injured just kind of took that that possibility away. Um, but again, but neither of those two guys, and that's what we're talking about in the last twenty years. And then and then we can go back and talk about whether you know should Joe Germain have been a great quarterback? You know, Bobby Hoying, John Cooper had some guys who had some success in the NFL, and certainly have had had more NFL success than what we've seen in the last 20 years of Ohio State quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. But I think it boils down to that. Yeah, I know. I think I, I agree with that. And but I and I to get to the second part of the question, I think it probably will. Now, he has to win the job, obviously, and he has to play. But Haskins is big with a good arm. Yep. And that is what the NFL wants. So, yeah, I think Haskins could be a guy that changes that. Eddie Vulik at Zadea. Tim, you take this first. Who will be the first freshman to lose his black stripe? Um, I'm going to go kind of with a bit of a surprise. I'm going to go with a guy who's already enrolled, and I'll say Tommy Togiai. Oh, that's a good one. Tommy Togiai is a good one. Yeah, I, I'm. I was just. I'm still impressed from you know. How, well, I thought he was Ohio State's best player at the under at the Army All American game back in January. Of all the commits there, he was dominant. He was forceful. And I, I think he's got a good approach, you know. He's and he's coming into a position where, you know, there's not there's there's a lot of young guys there, and I mean he's got a good attitude. He's he's the kind of guy that you know will fit in the program, does well. Again, good kid. I think he could be. I'm looking if I'm looking for kind of a uh, surprise, and I think again, even going back to last season, I. Isaiah, would you guys have said Isaiah Pryor being the second guy to get his black stripe off was a bit of a surprise? Who was first? Was it Okuda? I think it was Okuda. Mm. Yeah, it was Okuda and then Pryor were the first two. Yeah. It's rare that it happens in spring, right? Like, Mac lost his yeah. in spring. Okay. I'm trying to think of other guys have lost theirs. In Justin Hilliard might have. Was he here early? Mac definitely did. Um, they also put out a video of Tommy Togiai, like, pushing a guy 40 yards backwards. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to... Th- 
I forget who it was. In like a head-to-head drill. Yeah, yeah I couldn't... I Might couldn't have been talk. Wyatt Davis. I don't know. I think it was Wyatt Davis. Uh, Toki guy's good. Uh, I'll say... I think it's easy to pick a guy who's going to be here in spring. I think it often happens, like, guys get here in June, like, oh, yep, that guy's ready. So I'm going to say... Teron Vincent. Ooh, okay. He was, like, the best player in the recruiting class, so it's not that yep. much of a reach, but... He's not here yet. The one thing I, I'm, I'm with Tim. I'm, I'm, I'll go with Togi. That's a good answer. Um, Josh Proctor is a guy that when Urban Meyer was talking about the safety battle um, opposite Jordan Fuller, when Tim asked him about that Monday, mentioned Brendan White, Isaiah Pryor, and who's the other guy? Did he, he, he said he mentioned Marcus Hooker too. He did. He said okay. Hook. Oh, he said Hook. Okay, because he didn't say Reap. Who's the other guy though? But he mentioned, oh, yeah, he, he said Isaiah, Brendan White, Jocelyn Wint. Jocelyn Wint. So those are three guys on the roster. And then Josh Proctor, when he gets in there, he'll compete for it. Hook, Marcus Hooker, he'll compete too. So I just thought it was interesting to bring up guys who, like, who aren't here. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, he, and he even gave Marcus Hooker a nickname before he even showed up. I don't know if he just inherited it. Did they call Malik Hooker Hook? You, you did. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hook and book. Hook and book! Cynical Negro at NW Drone 410, and we're getting back to the other questions soon. We're going over two hours. I thought this was going to be an hour and 15 minutes. I thought we don't have anything to talk about. Wrong. Since basically everyone came back this year, who do you think is going to regret? Oh, yeah, that was a good question. Not leaving early. Um, and I'm trying to think, like, who is, who's in the mix of the guys that, that could have left? Draymond Jones, Mike Weber. Receivers. Isaiah Prince, all the receivers. Yeah. I don't think it's Draymond. I don't think it's Prince. I think it's either Weber or a receiver. Uh, I'll. That's tough. I don't know. It's I mean, like it's two, hard because like we're like preemptively criticizing. We're like preemptively predicting a good player to be worse because that's how you get the answer to this question, which is hard to do. I think if Mike Weber's season is similar to last year's season, he will be disappointed, and I think that's possible. Like, he was hurt, so he didn't play very much at the beginning of the year. But he was often limited to fewer than 10 carries per game. And I know we had a huge conversation about it. And, like, I don't think it's going to happen this way, but it seems possible that it could. That J.K. Dobbins is just so good that he gets 20 carries a game and Mike Weber gets 10. And if that happens, he will be disappointed. So I'll say Mike Weber. I was torn between Weber and Paris Campbell because mm. when it comes to the H, you know, Urban talked after the first practice about how Demario McCall is pushing and trying to get more point, more opportunities, and Urban brought him up again on on Monday. Um, that in that situation, that with Demario taking the possibly being the number one return guy, it's going to take more touches away from Paris Campbell. But you convinced me, Bill, on Mike Weber. I mean. Weber showed speed at the end of last season that he didn't show in his first year in 2016. His stock might have been like higher if he was actually. It turned out he was actually faster than he was the year before. So, all things considered, you know, it could again, like you said, it's probably a guy like Weber who could have had an opportunity improved, even though he didn't have the amount of carries that he had a year the year before, and now is going to see J.K. Dobbins take probably even more carries. I think Mike Weber came back in part because the coaches told him yeah. about his role. He said that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's not its not that they lie to you, but sometimes things don't work out as you think they're going to work out. Yeah. And I think that's on the table 
not because of Mike Weber, just because I think, just what I think and what a lot of people think, J.K. Dobbins could do. And yeah. I just think it might be really hard to take J.K. Dobbins off the field a lot. I also think, too, like, it, like I said, it's either Weber or it's a receiver. Like, the receivers have kind of, like, have always lived this life. Like, everything's spread out so much because there's so many receivers that if, like, Paris Campbell gets, like, 15 fewer touches this year than he had last year because Demario McCall gets the ball some more. Like, I don't like I don't think he's upset about that. I think that's just, like, life in the receiver room at the moment. And I, I don't know that any of them, had they gone, would have gone real high. So they're not going to hurt their or stock as much. At all. Yeah, so Mike Weber, again, I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that Mike Weber would like hurt his draft stock because it's not like he had a huge year last year. Yeah. But I think that it might just stay the same. Like you said, if his year looks very similar and he doesn't get it more and his draft stock doesn't change, then I think Mike Weber will think, well, then I should have gone. Yeah. What I come back for, it was more of the same. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, this is it. The Evan Imel question that Tim Bielek has researched. How many players from this year's team get drafted next year? I said nine. Nine. All right, so are we going to play now? Now we're going to play name the guys on Tim's list without looking at a roster. Okay. Tim, here's a pen for you to put a little X next to their name as we say it. Nine guys. We'll start with Bill Landis. Let's see if we can go nine for nine. You start. That means you have to do five. Okay, Nick Bosa. Check. Uh, Paris Campbell. Check. Isaiah Prince. Check. Uh, am I out? I don't think I'm out. Um, Draymond Jones. Check. Jordan Fuller. Check. That's five. Um, trying to think what receivers you would say would get drafted. And I'm trying to think who you might project to go early. And I'm trying to stall... Well, we were, we were just talking about them. Of guys. Kendall Sheffield. No. Oh, I think that's wrong. I also would have said Kendall Sheffield. He was. I had him in the back pocket to pull him out late. Okay. Uh, Paris Campbell. No, I said Paris you Campbell. You said Paris Campbell. Oh, I thought you didn't say him. No, I said him. Oh. Uh, you guys want me to give you like a subtle hint? No, 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 no. no, 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 hint no, no, no. So how many do we have so far? How many? You have five. You are five out of five and one. So four left on the list. Yeah, the seniors. We can't look at a roster. No. Um, oh, I know. Oh, you said the guy we were just talking about? Mike Weber? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He'll get drafted. Yeah. Yeah. I had him in my mind like day three. Okay. So that's six. And that's you have reasonable. Nine? Yes. Damon Arnett? No. Okay. So we have three more? Yes. Your thought, your thought, I won't give you too much of a hint, but your train of thought was getting there. Um, what corner could be drafted? If it's no, not, no, no, no. Uh, there's no corner. Receiver. Oh. K.J. Hill? Yes. You have K.J. Hill on your list? We don't have Kendall Sheffield on your list? I think you might. Would you put Kendall Sheffield on your list now in hindsight? Yeah. If, okay. he, has, if, okay. he, if he builds off what he did at the end of the season, then yes. Okay, so okay. now we're at seven? seven. There's yes. two more. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan? No. Okay, that's interesting because he could go. Yeah. He's a three-year starter at Ohio State. I don't know how many guards go early, but he might fit the profile of a guard who could go early. But I think my guess at the moment would be that he doesn't go early. Yeah, but I just think we're, but, we're, we're in the stage of picking guys leaving early. Uh, Terry McLaurin? No. Is there another receiver on the list? There's two. 
Oh. Do you want me to name him? No. Well, if there's two receivers, two, so... Oh, Mac? Yes. Oh. And Mac goes early, and Johnny Dixon? Yes. Okay. And that's the nine. Okay. I believe... I said Mac because I feel like he can... With the chemistry, assuming Dwayne Haskins has started, the chemistry those two have, I think he, he blows up this coming season, he's out. And then Johnny Dixon, I know the injury history is there, but he has the, the, the great speed, and he showed big playability when he got the football... That'll interest a team late enough where they'll take a shot at him. I think McLaurin might fall in that Dixon category, too. I think McLaurin's pretty fast, and he doesn't have the injuries. But I think neither of them are a sure thing. I think both could be a maybe. I'd add Sheffield to that list. Um, Like, Dwayne Haskins is a maybe. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... Oh, you know who is, like, Rashad Berry is a... Rashad Berry is a crazy athlete who I think would get a lot of NFL interest. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's basically anybody who's entering their third year yeah. who's yeah. athletic. Because yeah. <laughs> we've just seen, I mean, again, Malik Coker and Marshawn Lattimore have shown you that one good year is all you need. Now, those guys are both unbelievable freaks and, and I think are more outliers than anything else, but it's there. They could be looking at another, like, was it in 2014? Or no, 2015, they had like 14 guys at the Combine. Yeah, I think they could be looking because if, if you think about all the guys who could potentially leave early, but then like Demetrius Knox is yep. like out of eligibility. He might be a starter. If he's a starter, he's probably going to get a combine invite. Right. Um, they had eleven at the combine this year, right? Yes. Yeah. I think you could see a very large. You could. Ohio State contingent at the combine. You could. Mm-hmm. It's fun to think about. So we're going to do. We're a month out from the draft. In the next month, at some point, we will do the. Is it the third annual or the fourth annual? Ring the bell. Third, I think. For Ohio State draft picks. Well, maybe do that as a Facebook Live, if anybody would actually like want to watch the whole thing mm-hmm. of us doing it, and then break it up into individual videos, where we draft the Ohio State players where we think they should go. So that'll be coming up. We'll have more draft coverage, more spring football coverage. Again, the spring game is April 14th. 15th? 15th. 14th. 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 It's the 15th practice on the 14th. That's correct. Okay. Um, so... More stuff coming. Um, thanks to you guys for listening. Cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop the five-star review. You might be the next Von Bell five-star review of the week here on Buckeye Talk. Subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, Tune In, Google Play. Google Play. I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, at Tim Bielek, at Doug Maurice, at Bill Landis25. So, for Bill and Tim, I'm Doug. Over two hours again. But it, there's when you talk quarterbacks, right? Yeah. We are in the midst of a quarterback battle. What are three guys in a basement supposed to do? <laughs> For Bill and Tim, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>